Flyover Politics Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flavor Politic Podcast. It is the 16th of September, year of our Lord, 2019. I think I'm doing it a day early. I can't remember when I said I was going to do it, but I got enough stuff so I can do it. And I'm also proud to say I am recording from Money Magazine's number one place in America to live, supposedly. Well, I'm close to it. That's... They voted Clarksville, Tennessee is the number one place to move. And as that report went, everybody who lives in or around Fort Campbell, Kentucky goes, son of a bitch, because we don't need any more people. We're overcrowded as is. Today we're going to do um, some of the Dem debate, usual hateful Dems, uh, some media hits, news social media nuggets. It's a fun podcast. Um, I didn't do a soundbite to intro because I'm going to be doing a fire for effect. But there's some stuff I want to get up front before we get into the show. Oh, we're also doing a hit on Unbelievable and Dish. Two separate things. One's from Netflix. It is a true story. And i got to admit, this really kind of hit me. Um... Although most of the time on this show, I'm reporting of women lying about being sexually harassed, assaulted, whatever, date rape. Um, this is an interesting story. So we're going to do that in our lighter fare. And I got to admit, right off the bat, it's the girl from um, Last Man Standing. So it hit home, and I just kept thinking of my daughter, my mother, my sister, my wife. Um, this is all sorts of wrong. Um, but I'll talk about it then. And Dish, because I officially DX'd DirecTV, and wow, the hopper is no joke. That's all I got to say. That'll be in our lighter fare, too. So, up front, uh, U.S. kills another bin Laden from the White House. Osama bin Laden, the highest-ranking al-Qaeda member, the son of Osama bin Laden, was killed in the United States counterterrorism operation in the Afghanistan-Pakistan region. Those who have been to the show, I don't know if I ever told the story, but I'm pretty sure I did, but I'll say it again. When I was getting ready to egress from Afghanistan, uh, June, July, I don't even remember, it was 2002, um, we had turned over all our ammo and everything, and the 82nd was relieving us, and in typical faction, the 82nd are a bunch of arrogant fuckheads, so when you did your right seat ride and tried to show them the perimeter or whatever phase you're in, we just happened to be in perimeter at the very end. We got done with all the missions, we came back, and we were guarding for a couple weeks, and then we are going to hand it over. Um, we'd come out of uh, guarding SF bases, so I came from Oregon E back to Kandahar, and you know we were just kind of dinking and doinking. And, of course, they didn't want to listen to anything you said. They ignored you. So I would take the guy to the post. So this is the post. And start talking for a second. He'd ignore me. So by the end, i just go, and there's your last post. You have a nice day. And I just drove the fuck away and left the guy. I literally left him because he was a dick. Um, super young E7. But he's airborne, so I'm a loser. Blech. Anyway. So we don't have ammo. 
Typical Army fashion, we had taken all the ammo out of our magazines that had been resupplies in combat operations, gotten from the SF and were in Oregon. I mean, you're talking about 12,000 lots. We had to break it down by lot. I shit you not. That's how stupid the Army is and turn the shit in. So we turned it in, and all of a sudden, we get spun up. I'm the first sergeant, because the first sergeant left for Sergeant Major's Academy, and the guy that was the acting first sergeant went back early to get the barracks ready, which I don't know why that was necessary, but whatevs. And, man, we did the whole planning. We were just fucking freaked out, because we had, I mean, we're talking, we weren't even carrying weapons. And we were leaving in, like, four days. But... Hazma bin Laden was seen where Camp Rhino was. And for those that don't know, Camp Rhino was a fancy Taliban retreat. And the Marines had gone out there initially because they were supposed to be high-value targets and there wasn't anybody there. But we were going to go out there. They didn't have any Chinooks for us. We were going to fly on C-130s. This was the plan. I'm not making it up. And we were going to slow roll down the runway and run off like a bunch of Keystone cops and somehow secure this airstrip because they had no helicopters. So at the last minute, we go through planning, we do some rehearsals, we're kitting up, and boom, it gets called. Because they couldn't even get the C-130s to get us there, which made us all go, well, how the fuck are we getting home? Because at that point, you had to fly from Kandahar to Bagram, and that's where you departed Afghanistan. You checked out there. They had a whole setup where they went through your butt and everything to make sure you weren't carrying an AK-47 home. So, not the best news, but, you know, it all worked out. So, I thought that was a very important story. And it's great. Anybody who's got the last name Bin Laden and dies, I'm all down with that. Iran back militants admit drone swarm strike on world's largest oil processing plant in Saudi Arabia and at a second nearby facility sparking huge fires. Drone attacks sparked fires at Armaco oil facilities in eastern Saudi Arabia today. Attacks took place at 4 a.m. at the world's largest oil processing plant. Saudi interior ministries said the fires have now been brought under control. Iran back Houthis claimed responsibility for the attack and Bukyak and Karayas. So, yeah. There's uh, no threat, liberals. Doesn't doesn't exist. Not at all. So let's go on into our fire for effect. This is the face of socialism and ignorance. Does Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez know the horror of socialism? My father was minutes from death in Cambodia before a forced marriage saved his life. That's socialism. Forced obedience, starvation. Mine is a face of freedom. My skin is not white. I'm not outrageous, racist, nor socialist. I'm a Republican. 
So that is a video by New Faces GOP. Not part of the GOP, it's a pack. And Ocasio-Cortez just snapped over it because it's a picture of her face and then it catches on fire and they go into how crazy these motherfuckers are. It was aired during the debate. The tweet was, we have a choice. Will we let socialists like AOC be the face of our future? Or will a new generation of conservatives step up and lead us? We're launching New Face GOP to help identify and support the next generation of GOP leaders. Hang, in the brief telephone interview Thursday night, said she spearheaded the pact to give back to her community and fight against what she describes as the extreme left wing of the Democratic Party that promotes socialism. The Fresno Bee reported, Hang said that her run for Congress last year convinced her that if the Republican Party doesn't broaden its base to include millennials, women, and people of color, socialism will ruin the country. Ocasio-Cortez exploded over the ad, tweeting, Republicans are running TV ads and pictures me on fire to convince people they aren't racist. Life is weird. Of course, it's always racist, right? Yeah, of course. Know that this wasn't an ad for young conservatives of color. That was the pretense. What you just watched was a love letter to the GOP's white supremacist case. GOP message, no policy, no facts. Just display... Displays of violence in corporations like ABC and Sinclair who amplify him. They're profiting from burning my likeness on TV. Who pays for heightened security? Who answers the phones for threatening results from a violent, threatening resulting, threats resulting in violent false ad? <clears throat> yeah, it's a GOP. Rashida Tlaib, exactly my thoughts. The mere act of burning her image is a display of violence. Folks need to stick to facts and policy position. They need to stop fear-mongering. Oh, really? They need to stop fear-mongering. That's all the left has. Then she goes on, AOC, says the GOP will only get worse in their stereo. Let's remember who we are. We're fighting to guarantee health care in America for everybody but you. To make education and housing dignified and accessible, free housing. To save our planet, con job. To set living wages, socialism. To establish justice at home and peace abroad. Yeah, we're not going to do anything about terrorism because we like those people. And guess what? If you also believe in free and open democratic society where people are treated humanely and don't die over $300 insulin or needless war, they'll call you a communist too. Huh. Free and open society where you can't talk about Jesus uh, you can't own a gun. Okay. Well, they don't scare us or shake our focus. We're going to build a better world. Republicans are running TV ads, sending pictures of me on fire. And she goes over it again. People of color, white supremacy, la, 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 la. Hang responded, not Republicans, me. I'm calling you a racist. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Me, are you calling me a racist? And she's a person of color. I'm calling all Democrats out for sporting an evil ideology or just in Congress to hang out with celebrities and tweet out ridiculous ideas like the Green New Deal. AOC response Democratic Party in a nutshell, Hang continued. They're more offended by truthful words and the acts of their political ideology that has killed millions of innocent victims. I don't care about AOC's feelings. I care about stopping her lies about the lies of socialism. Yeah. Omar got in the act. This is horrifying to watch. Oh, really? Because some people did something. When will Republicans learn how to offer ideas and solutions without stroking fear and inciting violence? Enough is enough. They need to pull this garbage off the air and issue an apology. ABC. I mean, dude, come on. Your whole platform is a farce. 
Everybody in the GOP is a white supremacist, even the black people. I mean, you heard AOC. She knew that Lady Yang was a person of color. Just don't think she didn't. Yeah. Then during the week, once again, AOC disrespects somebody and our securities. I mean, cops, Homeland Security, it doesn't matter. This is her attitude. Luckily, this guy didn't back down. In my 34 years, I've never seen such hate toward a law enforcement agency in my life that you want to abolish them rather doing your job and legislate. If they don't like it, legislate. You can't. Mr. Holman, according to the rules of this committee, of enacting laws. Mr. Holman, your time is expired. The chair now recognizes Ms. Hill. Thank you, Madam Chair. It's typical liberal stuff. They t- they disparage somebody, say horrible things about them, and then they go, your time is expired. Oh, really? My time is expired. Okay. Not. I get every, at least defend myself, but that's what they do. They always do this. Oh, we, are, we have decorum. Even though you're saying horrible shit about somebody. Then somebody posted this online, the ABCs of AOC. Remember, it is a cult over there on the left, and they get these kids' books. This did not go well for them, because this is some funny shit. I was going to put it lighter fare. There is a sickness in this country, and it's treating politicians like they're some sort of gods. Here is how it should start. A is for anti-Semitism. A is for authoritarianism. B is for bread lines. C is for communism. D is for debt. E is for everybody's worse off. F is for future generations will weep. H is for high. how high can we set your marginal tax rate? N is not the expert on this stuff. Children's sections and libraries have not yet become a cultural crusade of the right, but it seems a matter of time because you're going to have to. The left does all these glowing books about how awesome these politicians are to get these kids. We're, we're doing it so they'll dream about being better than they are and getting out of the abject poverty that is forced on them by the racist fucking society that is America. Does that sound familiar? That's what they all say. But, you know, I say as a parent, who the fuck gets a book for like this for their kid? Unless you want to brainwash your kid. And it's just not me. You know, it seems like every week I'm on here talking into Mike. Oh, he's a fucking hothead. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He just hates the left. Marianna Williamson. Blast progressives on hot Mike. I didn't think the left was as mean as the right. They are. And she says... I get treated better by conservatives than the left because she won't toe the line. Exact statement. What does this say that conservatives are nicer to me? I'm serious lefty, but they are so... I understand why people on the right call me them godless. I mean, it's like, I didn't think the left was as mean as the right. They are. No, you're just realizing what we all know. You know, it, the this movie... Unbelievable is a key point, and I'll hit it in that part of the show, but here's a girl, all in this demographic where they have faux outrage about everything, and the moment it doesn't go right, or she recants her statement, 
they attack her mercilessly. They they send her messages, I hope you fucking die. They call her, they curse her, they basically cast her out. And me and the wife were watching it, and we go, you know, that's the amazing thing about the left. They're the people that were supposed to care for everything, those poor kids at the borders, the poor this, the poor Afghans, the poor, this America sucks, ah, rah, rah. But they're the most heinous people online. They say just horrible shit to people. I mean, if you're not on their team, they're the people saying racist, sexist bullshit. So we had the the debate. I'm going to play some sound bites. I have a new section today. I'm trying out a new bumper. The media pushing the left. Or driving the left. I haven't figured out what I'm going to call it. When I get there, I'll call it. But uh, Ben Shapiro sums it up. This was the debate in nine tweets. Healthcare. We're going to take away your private insurance and raise middle class taxes to do it. Or alternatively, we're just going to do that gradually. He segued to education. Education. We're going to throw money at our favorite supporters in the teachers union. Also, record players. Don't worry. I'm playing that soundbite in a second. Racism, Beto, America's garbage, Harris, so is Trump, buttleg, also your garbage. Gun control, we're here to take your guns. Immigration, open borders for all, except Biden. China, Trump is basically right, but we can't say so. Afghanistan, let's put out all the troops, let's pull out all the troops from Afghanistan without any plan. Also, diplomacy. Climate change, we're all gonna die, so give us your damn money. Yang. Number nine. Let's just skip all this shit. Here's some free money. And that pretty much sums up the debate. Bill de Blasio, who didn't get a play, he tweeted this during it. We have ten years to save the planet. Ten years! Today, leaders are making decisions for our environment that our kids will have to live with. New York City stands with our young people. They're our conscience. We support 920. Climate strike. I put that there just to sum it up. We are going to go with what kids say. Except if those kids pray to Jesus Christ or are Christians, own a gun. <laughs> I mean, those kids, fuck them. While, while the thing was going, before we get into the sound bites, socialism will kill Houston's economy. Vote Trump 2020. It was a banner flown by a plane. And it was just perfect. Just perfect. So... You know up front, the media was all in, so let's just get it over with. Here's the media jilling off or jerking off to the Dem debate. And I have to say, I loved the ending. I loved the ending. ending. It it was inspirational. Um, You you saw real, it was different. You saw really, real authenticity, I think, from most of the candidates telling their stories, even if they've told those stories before. Mm -hmm. It was almost like, okay, the debate's almost over. We're a little more relaxed. Reset. I think the failure in all of this is that if you are the blue-collar worker who is at a factory that's doing pretty well and you're listening to something that affects your life, you didn't hear it. And that's been my problem all along. I don't is know that, that's true. Well, I think it's unfair for you to, to um, interrupt me right now. But, but, <laughs> but I will, I will say this. In a nice I, mean, I, I will say this. <laughs> I think that, that I spend a lot of time with moderate 
independent voters. And I don't think they looked at this debate and heard their life experience reflected in this debate. On that point, Matt Dow- Hey everybody, welcome back to Houston. I'm Devin Dwyer. We're behind the scenes at the ABC News debate here at Texas Southern University, and I am here with ABC News contributor, Democracy for America chairwoman uh, Yvette Simpson. Great to see you, Yvette. So we were talking before the debate about your expectations, and who's having the best night so far? It's a good night. Like, Kamala has had some great moments. She's really showing herself strong, I think, talking directly to Trump, which is what people want. Yeah, impressive start. Man, Cory Booker has had a couple last nights. I think everybody is doing a really good job today. I am very impressed with this field. And I think we're going to begin with the latest Democratic debate where 10 presidential candidates showed a clear divide between the party's political center and its left wing. It probably won't move the needle much in the polls, but after a campaign that has been dominated by progressive voices tonight, the centrists struck back. Perhaps the difference is most stark between those right at center stage. The national frontrunner Joe Biden, a moderate, sandwiched between two liberals, Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Buttigieg, I would say, be a centrist of the candidates that were up there. He's sort of in the middle. Uh, clearly, in the beginning of that debate, George, you saw the revenge of the moderate. Look, if, if you had to stick one headline on this night, I think we, we showed the moment that, that Julian Castro was the skunk at the garden party. By the way, I'm glad you scored it against Castro on the issue of attempted to blame the guy for having Alzheimer's. I think that was a cheap shot. The fact is he got his facts wrong. And in terms of competency, he was the one that risked his position tonight, not Biden. Most people thought there was another aspect to this, that you were suggesting a man of 76 years had lost the ability to remember what he just said. That was not. Short-term memory loss, no, you were accusing him of. Not at all. It uh, wasn't we were, what you are doing because you rubbed, you rubbed it in three or four times. You kept saying, you don't remember, you don't remember what you just we said. We had a disagreement about whether he said the words buy-in. He did say the words buy-in when you go and look at the full transcript. He, he said, if you can't afford it, it can, you get automatically enrolled in the Medicare type option. And when he was on the stage, the decision he made in the moment was an unsubtle allusion to Alzheimer's ageism. or ageism. Yep. Now, if he thinks that's winning, good luck. Um, and if he thinks that, that the notion that, you know, again, people have talked about Joe Biden's weaknesses as a candidate. If you actually think he's weak, then he'll, he'll fall on his own sort of time. I don't think anyone in the Democratic Party, if, if there's a constituency in the Democratic base for Julian Castro to destroy Joe Biden by suggesting he has age-related memory loss, I haven't heard them yet. They haven't shown up in a poll. I haven't seen them on my show or yours. And then this interview, I mean, having done press, this interview made me sweat. I sat here sweating. <laughs> the appropriate thing to do in an interview when Chris Matthews is reading you the heinous transcript yes, where you've right. suggested Joe Biden, the Democratic frontrunner, who may or may not be the nominee, might have a memory problem, Don't fight is to transcript. say, yeah. I'm yeah. so sorry. Sorry, that's the impression. By you, you know what you say? You say, let me have those cards. I know what I said. I'm going to own it. And I'm going to clean it up where it needs to be cleaned up. But in no uncertain terms, I was not suggesting he has age-related memory loss. If I miss that, then I'll go read some cue cards. But that was a disaster and a disgrace. That's and why it, I asked. Yeah. He blew clean up on aisle flags. He had an opportunity. Uh-huh. He didn't even up. bring a broom. He didn't yeah. even. In fact, he was over in the next aisle creating another damn mess. So we're in the same mode as we are. Well, we always are, but really, really reflecting 2016. The establishment and the media know Joe Biden is the only hope they have. Camelia Harris can't even win Democrats because a black people think she's a sellout. Uh, 
butt leg doesn't have enough traction. They love Warren, but they know Warren against Trump, she loses because fucking people can't stand that bitch more than they can't stand him. So they are all in, but Biden is just a fuck. I mean, literally, I mean, you heard Raditz. She cried during the election, but see how, oh, they're so great. And cheerleading, MSNBC bashing Castro for bashing Biden. That's one of them, but in a second, we're going to play a second one where they bash Biden because of one comment, the record player, Amy Gerales. Here's my transcript of Joe Biden's record player moment. Asked about this his past comments denying responsibility as a white man for America's sin. He gives an answer insinuating black parents don't know how to raise kids. That's how it was done. This is how it sounded. And then I'll read it. But I gotta slip in something in front of it. Cause I have no place to put it. He was on the stump yesterday. And he talked about getting in a fight with a guy named after a cereal. So I, I gotta get that in. So I'm gonna put it here. And then we'll talk about his record player. I learned a lot. And I learned that, uh, it makes a difference. This was the diving board area, and I was one of the guards, and there were not, it was a three meter board. And you fell off sideways, you landed on the damn, uh, the darn cement over there. <laughs> and Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. And I did, yeah, he, and back in those days, to show how things have changed, one of the things you had to use, if you used pomade in your hair, you had to wear a bathing cap. And so he was up on the board, wouldn't listen to me. I said, hey, Esther, you, off the board, or I'll come up and drag you off. Well, he came off, and he said, I'll meet you outside. My car, this was mostly, these were all public housing behind it. My car, there was a gate out here. I parked my car outside the gate. And I, he said, I'll be waiting for you. He was waiting for three guys in straight racers. Not a joke. There was a guy named Bill Wright, Mouse, the only white guy, and he did all the pools. He was the mechanic. And I said, what am I going to do? He said, come down here in the basement where mechanics, where, where, where all the pool filter is. You know, the chain, there used to be a chain that went across the deep end. And he cut off a six-foot length of chain. He folded up. He said, you walk out with that chain. And you walk to the car and say, you may cut me, man, but I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. I said, you kidding me. He said, no, if you don't, don't come back. And he was right. So I walked out with the chain, and I walked up to my car, and they had stepped. Those days, you used to remember the straight race. You'd bang them on the curb, get them rusty, put them in a rain barrel, get them rusty. And I looked at them, but I was smart then. I said, first of all, I said, when I tell you to get off the board, you get off the board, and I'll kick you out again, but I shouldn't have called you, Esther Williams. I apologize for that. I apologize, but I didn't know that apology was going to work. He said, you apologize to me? I said, I apologize for that. Not for throwing you out, but I apologize for what I said. He said, okay, close the straight razor and my heart began to beat again. We bring social workers into homes and parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not that they don't want to help. They don't, want, they don't know quite what to do. 
play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. A kid coming from a very poor school or a very poor background will hear four million words fewer spoken by the time they get there. I noticed your tweets. You went on a tweet storm about that comment, that answer that uh, Joe Biden gave. Um, and this is what you wrote. Joe Biden's answer on how to address the legacy of slavery was appalling and disqualifying, you wrote. It ended in a sermon implying that black parents don't know how to raise their own children and said this can't go on. No, I, I think on Thursday night, without intending to, Joe Biden threw himself a retirement party. And... There have always been, and this is really important to understand, two traditions, two manifestations of racism in American life. There's racism with a hood, which is very easy to see, and there's racism with a smile. There's the racism of firebombing churches, which is very obvious, and then there's the racism of, can I touch your hair? There's the racism that is flagrant and the racism that is insidious. And it is very clear, and everybody knows this, that Joe Biden is not out of that tradition of the evil tradition of racism of the hood and he's not a white supremacist but joe biden has revealed himself to be deeply steeped in anchored in and unwilling to cut ties to that second subtler tradition of racism in american life and it is thanksgiving uncle racism right joe biden has so clearly not changed he's not changed he is the person that we all know who, who is so steeped in the idea that Americanness means whiteness. The, 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 the basic trope of racism has always been what you are observing is actually their own fault. And on Thursday night, Joe Biden, who wants to be the president of the United States and run against a white nationalist, reprised that theme and basically blamed black people's parenting skills and lack of music for the, the legacy of slavery. He has to. He has to drop out. I mean, does anybody believe that story? Corn Pop. Are you fucking serious? His name was Corn Pop. I mean, if it would have said Lucky Charms, I might have believed him. But Corn Pop. And then to the record, oh my God, that thing just blew the fuck up on him. The record player moment may be the, what finally reveals Biden's bankruptcy. A staggering two minutes in our politics. America's gravest, most persistent injustice recast as parental ignorance. So many problems with this. He didn't answer the question. He repeated a racist stereotype. He still has a record player. But the pettiest problem, does Joe Biden think black parents don't play their kids' music? Has he met black people? I think the analogy is what he can't say. And I'm going to say it. And of course, I'll be labeled a racist for this. But this isn't based off some book, you know, fucking some Fox host put out. Folks, there's a problem in the African-American community. Single parent homes... Mothers working too many jobs, can't take care of the kids and take care of them. Fathers with 85 fucking baby daddies. I'm not saying white folk don't have it either. I'm just saying, if we're specifically looking at a subset of our society, that's a problem. I do not know 
How many African Americans? I would say 70% of every soldier I ever led who was African American came from a fractured fucking home. Baby daddy, daddy not there, mom not there, got in trouble. I mean, in the beginning, in the 90s and 80s, so many kids got sent there by a fucking judge. It's not good. So in his way, is just being a dumbass. He says it that way. But it's true. There's a problem with parenting. I mean, the simple fact that every parent has a conversation with their kid, don't trust cops. That's probably a problem to begin with. Because to say that that's a true statement, driving while black. Sorry. I'm down south. I don't see it. I just don't see it. I mean, if you're going to drive around a car, it's a piece of fucking shit, or speed, or not use your turn signals, or 9 out of 10, have a goddamn light out, and you just get pulled over, and they open your car, and it's a scene from Ching to Chong, that's not racism, you're just a dumbass. I mean, it's one of my prevailing things from all the cop shows I have to watch with my wife. Why the fuck smoke weed in your car? Why? Smoking at the house, there's no cops there. But anyway, that was a huge thing. There's more Biden flubs coming up. Um, here comes Buttleg. This one got in my craw. Step one is appoint a secretary of education who actually believes in public education. I believe in public education. And in order to strengthen it, some things are very complex for preparing for a future where knowledge is at your fingertips, but we got to teach more to do with critical thinking and social and emotional learning. Some of it is extremely simple. We've just got to pay teachers more. And we've got to lift up the teaching profession. I always think of a story from South Bend of uh, friends who host exchange students from Japan. They had a student one year who wanted to be a teacher and they kept in touch with her when she went back to Japan and to college. Uh, she took the exam to try to become a teacher uh, in a society that really regards teachers and compensates teachers well. And she came up just short. So you know what she did? Since she was academically good but couldn't quite make the cut to be a teacher, she had a fallback, fallback plan. She became a doctor. That is how seriously some countries treat the teaching profession. If we want to get the results that we expect for our children, we have to support and compensate the teaching profession, respect teachers the way we do soldiers, and pay them more like the way we do doctors. Senator <laughs> so we need to respect our teachers like soldiers and pay our teachers better, but not the soldiers? What the fuck does that even mean, dude? You guys don't respect soldiers. The left doesn't respect soldiers. The left despises soldiers. These people just talk out their ass. Then there's this one, where basically, uh, Ari Cohen, the most depressing part about tonight's Democratic debate is when Camelia Harris replied to Joe Biden's claim that a proposed executive order will be unconstitutional by laughing and blithely saying, instead of saying, no, we can't, how about, yes, we can, and listed very bad things, Constitution, um, and listing very bad things. Sorry, I screwed that up. And I'll pair it with Bernie, 
Free 99. It kind of goes very well. Former Vice President Biden has said about executive orders, some really talented people are seeking the nomination. They said, I'm going to issue an executive order. Biden saying there's no constitutional authority to issue that executive order when they say I'm going to eliminate assault weapons, saying you can't do it by executive order any more than Trump can do things when he says he can do it by executive order. Does the vice president have a point there? Some things you can. Many things you can't. Let's let the senator answer. Well, I mean, I would just say, hey, Joe. Instead of saying, no, we can't, let's say, yes, we can. <laughs> let's get constitutional. we got a constitution. And yes, we can. And let me also say something, of which I have gotten into trouble, and people will criticize me for. I am, some of you know, supportive of a Medicare for all single-payer system, and that means that everybody in the country has health care, including the undocumented. Okay? And mark my words, you'll see 30-second ads attacking me for that. And then you'll see another set of 30-second ads, because when I say I want to make public colleges and universities tuition-free, that also includes the undocumented. Now, I hope that as soon as possible, the undocumented will not be undocumented. All right, that's the goal. So we don't have to deal with it. The funny part about that statement is back-to-back, and we're about to have another one, our last Biden. Nothing they're proposing is constitutional. They want the Electoral College gone. They don't want to have any borders. They don't want to have any fucking ramifications if you go to college. They want to basically make it a socialist country, take the Constitution, throw it the fuck out. I mean, Biden was so ballsy during this, Ramos called them on it. He doesn't admit that he put people in cages. And this is how far they will go to get elected. People shouldn't go to jail for nonviolent crimes. Are you prepared to say tonight that you and President Obama made a mistake about deportation? Why should Latinos trust you? What Latinos should look at is... Comparing this president to the president we have is outrageous, number one. We didn't lock people up in cages. We didn't separate families. We didn't do all of those things. Nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. As When we were in the White House, we released 36,000 people from the federal prison system. So we unpack all of this, and it's like, fuck it. We're going to do whatever our base tells. Not what's good for America. Not what's good for our future, financially, it doesn't matter. No violent criminals. If you're not a violent criminal, you just don't go to jail. Uh, we're going to give free health care to everybody. And we're going to make the border, everybody who's here illegal just gets in there. And we don't care about the Constitution. How do you vote for that? I put this little section ahead of the guns. Because that's the big show. I mean, that's what this show is about. That and climate. Because you add this up as a non-progressive person. But I'm not a Republican. How do I vote for that? You just said, I'm not going to enforce crimes. I'm already not going to enforce fucking immigration laws. I don't want to enforce the border. I want to give everybody free shit. And then Beto and all of them going with this. We're going to 
take your guns. Now remember, the media said over and over, nobody has said they're taking your guns. Democratic politicians have said, nobody said we're going to take your guns. Yet every time they get asked a question about it, yeah, I think we should have a buyback program. A mandatory buyback. And Beto goes, well, I'm not getting enough traction. I can't get up there in the top percentage of the electorate. So fuck this shit. I'm taking your shit. El Paso is your hometown. Some on this stage have suggested a voluntary buyback for guns in this country. You've gone further. You said, quote, Americans who own AR-15s and AK-47s will have to sell them to the government, all of them. You know the critics call this confiscation. Are you proposing taking away their guns, and how would this work? I am. If it's a weapon that was designed to kill people on a battlefield, if the high-impact, high-velocity round, when it hits your body, shreds everything inside of your body because it was designed to do that so that you would bleed to death on a battlefield and not be able to get up and kill one of our soldiers. When we see that being used against children. And in Odessa, I met the mother of a 15-year-old girl who was shot by an AR-15. And that mother watched her bleed to death over the course of an hour because so many other people were shot by that AR-15 in Odessa and Midland. There weren't enough ambulances to get to them in time. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore any way going to be a challenge when it comes to this. I think most Americans are going to comply with the law. So, Congressman, you're talking about a, a, a willing give back of a gun, an American saying, yes, you can have my AR-15, but what you said is, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. What would you do with the people who don't voluntarily surrender their semi-automatic rifles? I'm going to work with police chiefs, with sheriffs, with law enforcement to make sure that we implement this in the most effective way possible. And, and actually, this policy is informed not just by listening to shooting victims and survivors, bombs demand action, march for our lives, but also talking to and listening to police chiefs who don't want to go up against an AR-15 or an AK-47 and realize there are more than 10 million of these weapons of war on the street right now. So. We will craft something, working with members of Congress, working with local law enforcement, that makes the most sense. But it will, by and large, be dependent on people complying with the law. Okay, so so just to underline it, it will be voluntary. It won't be, hell yes, we'll come get your no, guns. It's, it's manda- no, it's, it's not voluntary. I, w- I want to make sure that we make the distinction here. It, it is mandatory. It will be the law. You will be required to comply with the law. So, I mean, as with many of our laws, we don't go door to door. Um, searching people's homes to see if they are in fact breaking the law. But uh, we expect people to comply with the law. But it's Congressman, you know that the law is that those guns are legal right now. So how would they be breaking the law by owning those guns? Well, because by working with Congress and listening to the American people, who I believe form a majority on this issue of uh, buying back AR-15s and AK-47s, um, we're going to change the law so that it will no longer be legal to hold one of these. This is the, the logical process we need to follow. So if every Democrat on that stage last night agrees that we should no longer be selling AR-15s and AK-47s, because when you're shot with one of those high-impact, high-velocity rounds, it blows a hole out your system the size of an orange, it shreds everything inside, then why is it okay to leave 10 million of them on the street? If you agree that it is a potential instrument of terror, if you agree that these sensational mass shootings 
cause fear and terror throughout our country, then why would you leave 10 million of them out there on the street? I, I recognize, Willie, the, the political difficulty of doing this and, you know, don't know how this will poll in the end. But I do know that losing 40,000 of our fellow Americans every year to gun violence is absolutely unacceptable. And it's not just me saying that. It's not just those police chiefs I've listened to. It's these young students, March for Our Lives, who survived one of the most horrific mass shootings in this country. Their peace plan calls for us to do this as well. I think in moments of crisis and in moments of opportunity, we listen to and follow the lead of young people. And this is one of those moments. And, and Mika, I think a lot of Americans, the majority of Americans probably agree with. I think, I think a lot of America laughed, Thank you, sir. frankly, <laughs> out, out loud uh, uh, when you said that. I do want to ask um, a serious question, though. There was another moment of the debate um, when Senator, uh, former Congressman Better O'Rourke said, Yes, you know, he is for mandatory buybacks, and he does want to take people's assault weapons, AR-15s, AK-47s away. What's your view on mandatory gun buybacks or confiscation, and is there a difference? Well, look, I, I, I hate when uh, Democrats use the language that Republicans try to use to scare people away. Uh, as opposed to just the sort of the pragmatism and practicality of this. In the 1980s, we said machine guns don't belong in our streets, and we banned them. And we don't see those uh, in mass shootings. We don't see them in mm -hmm. neighborhoods like mine doing kind of damage. We have seen around this world countries that said enough of these assault rifles. They dealt with the problem. They got them off of their streets. These weapons should not be in this country. They should not be allowed... Uh, to be accessed by folks who are trying to do such evil things, we can find practical ways uh, to end the nightmare of these weapons that belong in military theaters and not in neighborhoods and communities. How do you get, get it? it done? How do you get so them I away? Know that, well, How? the same way we got machine guns done. This is, this is the thing. We are capable of doing it. Other countries have been, and we've done it in the past. You have to set up a system. Yeah, that is mandatory. You have to set up a system to pull them off. But this idea, this imagery that the fear mongers and demagogues try to say of somehow uh, armed uh, uh, a police officer showing up and confiscating weapons, that's the fear mongering. And people trying to obscure and make people forget what we have done before as a nation with machine guns, what other nations have done with assault rifles. This does not have to be uh, uh, what the imagery and the fear-mongering is showing up. We have evidence-based models of how to get this done uh, in a peaceful uh, way where America as a whole, and by the way, the majority of Americans believe that these weapons do not belong in our streets and neighborhoods. This is not something beyond us, and, and we're not, I'm not going to let uh, the fear-mongers and the demagogues win the day on this. We have a crisis in this country, it must end, and we must do the common sense things to get it done. Senator Cory Booker, thank you very much for being with us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. I mean, this guy is straight up stalling. I mean, that's how far he's going. Credit cards have enabled many Americans mass shooting in the last decade. Uh, that's no, There's no proof of this, but okay. And with Washington willing to act, they need to cut off the sale of weapons of war today. Banks and credit card companies must refuse to take part in sales of assault weapons, stop process, processing transactions for gun sales online and at gun shows without background checks, stop doing business with gun ammo manufacturers who produce or sell assault weapons. If enough of us make our voices heard now, we will force banks and credit card companies to act. Add your name to this petition. We're sending Visa, MasterCard, and big banks. Somebody said, this is authoritarian nonsense. But they don't care. A choke point? Fuck choke point. We're going to go all in.
You can't even use your money or buy stuff the way you want to. He has been lying so much about Trump-inspired the El Paso shooting so somehow he can get more votes. AP grudgingly admits that despite Dem claims, Trump didn't inspire El Paso mass shooting. It's a false. But they don't care. They just don't care. Nothing they say has to be factual. I mean, that's my favorite part about Omar. No facts, just fear-mongering. Nothing the Dems talk about is grounded in facts. It's all inspirational flag flying. Wherever the wind's blowing, them motherfuckers are heading that way with whatever crazy they can get out of their goddamn mouth. And this kid is so all in, you won't believe how all in he is, but we'll talk about it on the other side. Let's go to a music break. And when we come back to raise money for his failing campaign, he's even selling shirts talking shit to gun owners. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from 1 to 92 Although it's been said Many times, many ways Merry Christmas to Phrase 
kids from one to ninety-two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. What about, Senator, what we heard from Congressman Beto O'Rourke last night? I'll quote him, hell yes, we are going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. Are you supportive of a mandatory buyback program for all of those weapons, all of those assault rifles on America's streets right now? I am not. Uh, and I frankly think that that clip will be played for years uh, at uh, Second Amendment uh, rallies uh, with organizations that... Uh, try to scare people by saying Democrats are coming for your guns. Okay. Um, I'm a gun owner. So, uh, my uh, sons and I have gone skeet shooting and hunting. And frankly, um, I don't think um, uh, having our presidential candidates like uh, uh, Congressman O'Rourke did um, say that we're going to try and take people's guns uh, against their will is a wise uh, either did he hurt policy the party? or political move. Senator, did, I he respect hurt, and did, he hurt, did he hurt the party and this fight with that statement last night? Was it irresponsible? We'll have to see. I respect his passion. Anyone who's had to sit uh, with the parents, um, victims of gun violence, parents who've lost their children as I have, uh, after the Sandy Hook shooting, uh, after the Tucson shooting, uh, parents, um, someone who was a high school classmate of mine, lost his daughter in that tragic shooting in Tucson uh, where Congresswoman uh, uh, Gabby Giffords was also shot. To sit with a parent who's lost a child and have no answer about how we're going to make the country safer is a very hard experience. So I respect what is motivating Congressman O'Rourke, but I don't think as a policy position uh, that's going to stand muster. I don't think a majority of the Senate or the country is going to embrace mandatory buybacks. We need to focus on what we can get done. And we need to focus on the challenge here, which is that Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Senate and our president are refusing to listen to the 93 percent of Americans who want us to do something on background checks. Let's that get that done first. Um, guns, red meat, Ford F-150s, if they're looking to get back that Democratic voter that might have voted for Obama and then went for Donald Trump, uh, the blue-collar voters who are insulted when Democrats come to town and say, don't worry, you're all going to get green jobs. No, they're not. Where are the green jobs? That's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I'm not going to take on everything, green jobs and Ford, but, 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 but let me try to take on the gun question. Um, the gun debate is changing. And, and it started it changing, changing with some folks that you've done some incredible interviews with, the Parkland kids. Mm -hmm. And guns are not, gun control isn't the political third rail for Democrats that it used to be. It, it just isn't. And, and that's why you see Walmart and other big retailers Walgreens who need, taking, taking on gun who control need, themselves. Yeah, the Trump voter and the pickup driver to shop in their stores. It, it just isn't. That's the good news for Democrats. 
The bad news, I think, for Democrats, or, or the danger, is that the positions, and, and the same goes for, for both sides, um, the, the, the positions that are most popular, that speak to their hearts and their guts, and that give voice to the rage that any parent, any parent with a kid younger than seven that comes home and tells them about the drills they did, yep. where they have to be quiet, and how they're different from the fire drills because they have to pretend that there's no one in the classroom, weeps, and, and they're hungry for the kind of red meat that was thrown at them tonight. But I, I, I think as much as the gun debate has changed, it may not have changed. Chris Coons, of course, is in a state where people own guns. And Brian William trying to stammer out what normal blue-collar Americans is, is what's wrong with our media, but you heard Wallace. Oh, no, they're, they're down with this shit. So he's selling a shirt, making you know he's coming for your guns. Beto, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. After warning Americans he's come for the battlefield weapons during the debate, O'Rourke attempt to call for unity on his radical gun proposal. I want to say this. I'm listening to people of this country, he said after the Democratic crowd enthusiastically applauded. Take your AR-15 line, partially transcript. The day after I proposed doing that, I went to a gun show in Conway, Arkansas, to meet with those selling AR-15s and AK-47s and those who are buying those weapons. And you might be surprised there was some common ground there. I'd be willing to give it up, cut it to pieces. I don't need this weapon to hunt, to defend myself. It's a weapon of war. Said nobody. Nobody. Dems are so good at making up bullshit. That's straight up bullshit. Then he had one. Beto has a band for that. And of course the picture has a fucking grenade launcher on it that nobody can own. But once again, they don't know that. They just don't know it. Rashid Jakar, gun manufacturers should give Beto a bonus for all the guns they're going to sell because of him. Somebody else. The moment the Dems seal the Trump 2020 victory. Somebody else. Zero of the things that come out of Beto's mouth are organic. It's all strategic. And that's all this was. He's not doing good. So he grabbed one thing and said it. And then the world, who knows things about guns, begin to mock him. Beto mock for grenade launcher tweet gets in feud with Republican over death threat. Yeah, this is, this is how pathetic the left is. They're just pathetic people. Rokes critics quickly pointed out that the gun the Democratic president hopeful featured in his fundraising treat, which had a grenade launcher attachment, is already illegal. Among those who had some fun with O'Rourke over the post include Real Clear Investigations, Mark Hemingway, and former NRA spokesman Dana Loesch, who noticed or noted that the grenade and grenade launchers have been illegal for decades under the National Firearm Act of 1968. The gun Beto chose to feature has some other problems as well, including its suppressor. If it's fully automatic, that's also fully illegal. Mark Hemingway, PSA, fully automatic guns with grenade launchers, which is what this is, are already banned. Dana Loesch, you know the grenade launchers are in the NFA, right? And here, here's some help for you. Here's a suppressor, and they put a suppressor flashlight on the grenade launcher. He then got an e- email from a Texas, or a tweet, sorry, from a Texas state representative, Briscoe Kane. And all he said is, my AR is ready for you, Robert Francis. And Robert Francis, being a typical piece of shit, this is a death threat, Representative. Clearly you shouldn't own an AR, and neither should anyone else. 
It's a red flag because he's for that shit too. Briscoe Kane, you're a child, Robert Francis. And he is. But what did the media do? Mm. Dan Rather. This is simply outrageous. It has no place in civil society. Candidates last night spoke with knowledge, depth, integrity, and clarity far beyond reach of current president who answers questions with the false bravado of an entitled third grader spraying the room with verbal manure to hide fact he doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's a journalist. That is a journalist, my friends. Wait for the media push. It goes way back before now. They're just... Don't give a fuck about objectivity now. Back then they tried to pretend. Lewis Peckett, minute ago, Twitter took down this Briscoe Kane tweet about Beto O'Rourke. A Twitter spokesman said it violates our rules of threats of violence. He's saying he's taking the ARs. So the guy says, mine's ready for you. That's not a threat. And everybody starts saying, hey, listen, he's saying he's going to steal people's property. How's that not a threat? Other ones. What about the chainsaw bayonet? Can I keep my chainsaw bayonet? Wait, wait, wait. You tweeted this? I thought this was a troll. Beto, I will ban that, which is already banned. 70% of this picture is already banned under current law, which is BS anyway. Here's some more Beto. And even from those Texans who own AR-15s, they've told me this themselves. I don't need this. I don't need it to hunt. I don't need it to protect myself. It was fun to use. I like taking it out to the range. But if giving this back or cutting it to pieces or selling it to the government helps to keep us safer, then by all means, let's do it. You know, my faith, my confidence is in the people of this country. And going to a gun show in Conway, Arkansas... And listening to the owners of AR-15s and the vendors of AR-15s, many of whom, as you can imagine, did not agree with my proposal, but each of whom was willing to at least have the conversation, some of whom said, look, you know what, I have an AR-15, don't need it, would gladly sell it back or destroy it. Um, All of them seem like they would follow the law. Uh, We are a nation of laws. It's part of what defines us and distinguishes us from the rest of the world. So uh, I believe that America will comply with the law. And I believe that there will be a due process in devising the law in the first place where we listen to stakeholders, all concerned and affected, but do not allow um, the delays that we've seen that have lasted decades to stop us from finally acting on this. So I don't want to give in to the the hype or some of the scare tactics that have been employed to stop us from even considering this in the first place, much like we don't go door-to-door to enforce almost any law in the United States. In fact, I don't think we do that for any law in the United States. This would not be something that we would do. And I only raise that joy because others have said, you know, this is something that, that we would fear uh, if, if there were a mandatory buyback program. No, we, we expect people to follow the law. And that's- in there they're trying he's trying to oh you you need this you need because it's a it's a small penis thing and that was him playing the drums before the debate yeah that's beto he's a fucking child ag conservative but if these people can all be trusted to comply with the law why can't they be trusted to comply with the homicide laws and oh own ar responsibly 
Because that's his new antidote. Well, they'll obey by the law. We want to take him. New O'Rourke antidote. He says a long-time Republican chatting up today in a bathroom. See, it's not a gun show. Now it's a bathroom. He said, this is going to be strange. Not strange that I'm talking to you while we're both at the urinal. But strange because I'm telling you, you're absolutely right on guns. So he likes to chat up men at urinals. Got it. If this happened, which it didn't, I still it still doesn't provide an ounce of evidence of Beto's unconstitutional platform, bringing him to a grand total of zero evidence. I'm going to have to call bullshit on the bathroom talk. He seems to tell a lot of stories that are disprovable, but are far-fetched and always align with his talking points. And isn't that the truth? Yeah. Gabriel Hoffman wrote a great piece of the resurgence. Basically, I'm not going to read articles on this because we all know this. None of this is grounded in fact. None of it. None. It's it's just fucking they're making shit up. You can't take people's guns. You can't. It's unconstitutional. Parkland father, which didn't get airtime, exposes how killer was enabled by Obama's school leniency policy. We had one today in our college crazy. Kid fucking stole a car and everything. It was because the school wouldn't do anything about it. Then Melissa Milano, still trying to get airtime off her cruise. Your stance has made you almost like a character of a villain. That's why this meeting was so important to me, because I wanted to look at you in the eye and know that you're really a human with a heartbeat. We got that last time. Then she tweets this. Yes, we are a two-gun household. This isn't new news. I believe in the Second Amendment. I also agree with 90% of America who wants stricter gun laws. And I believe it should be impossible for certain people to get their hands on certain guns. Pretty logical stuff. And no, it isn't. Cruz, just a reminder, when I said it, PolitiFact, a wholly owned subsidiary of the DNC, rated, Beto wants to take our guns as false. Maybe they should buy one of his t-shirts. They're still saying... He doesn't want to take guns. No Democrat wants to take guns. But they're saying they're going to take your gun. Oh, it's a weapon of war. That's how you... Oh, okay. You're being slick there. It's the weapon of war. Yeah. Then we go into abortion. The debate last night covered a lot of ground, but I want to cover some other stuff. Big, big issues that were left out. Next, why are these Democrats taking this precious time and avoiding some major topics like America's judges and women's reproductive rights. But there were some key topics that were noticeably absent. Over nearly three hours, the conservative judges being packed into the federal bench by the Republican Senate didn't even get a mention. Also missing was any talk of women's reproductive rights as more states move towards restrictive abortion laws. I'm really glad you brought those up, Steph. I think those are two key places that we're missing. On the issue of abortion, this is something that Trump and Republicans are going to want to make a campaign issue. Trump uh, has this almost graphic riff he goes on at almost every campaign rally about doctors wanting to kill babies after they're born and ripping babies from their mother's wombs. Um, I've seen other Republicans 
strategists I've talked to as well saying that they think this is a winning issue from for them that they can paint Democrats have, have, having gone too far on abortion. Uh, I do not see the Democrats coming back with a real clear response from that and this sort of being an opportunity for them to sort of come out and clearly state what their position is and how they would punch back against these accusations uh, that Democrats have gone way too far on abortion rights. And on the, on the issue of abortion, I think that the Republicans are, are creating a trap for Democrats to walk into by characterizing what the Democrats' position is on this issue when Democrats could be characterizing it on their own. And I think abortion is not just something that is motivating conservative voters, but it, it does touch moderate voters. When you get into issues of late-term abortion, it is something that moderate voters can become concerned about if it's not portrayed right. So I completely agree with you. I think this is something that is missing. I know some of the candidates have, have raised reproductive rights on their own. It was an issue in the first debate, uh, but it, it you know, just didn't register on the radar at all last night. But here's the thing. Whether you're talking about federal judges or the Supreme Court, this isn't something that could be turned around with the next administration. These people are on the bench for life. Have any Democratic candidates articulated their plan to counter the success the president has had? Whether it's the Federalist Society that's basically created a, a factory to deliver these judges um, to be put on the bench, or you could like how he did it or not, the success Mitch McConnell has had in the way he treated Mitch uh, Merrick Garland could be amoral, but it was successful. Have any yeah. Democrats articulated what they would do? What are the top issues for Democrats? There's still health care, the environment, the economy, um, you know, immigration, you know, issues and concerns about immigration, guns. Uh, they're missing, though, that those are all, of course, judicial issues as well. That's and that's thing, what Shannon, we're not hearing. All of these issues end up in court. Yeah. Right. And and that that is not registering among Democrats. And there was a thought maybe it would after all this, the changes to the judiciary that Trump has made that that would. It's not happening yet. Uh, maybe it could still happen. Maybe it's more of a general election issue and it's not something these candidates are going to debate about among themselves. But you see among conservatives judicial appointments, the Supreme Court, that is like a priority number two or three. It's it's nowhere when Democrats list what their priorities are. Remember that when we do the uh, media pushing the left segment that we'll start doing occasionally because that's what they did on almost all these subjects. The media is more in on these subjects and more extreme on these subjects than the actual candidates. Jennifer Gunton, a blue check. Facebook took down a fact check of anti-abortion video after a Republican complained. Hey, Facebook, you know who is qualified to speak on medical necessity abortion? Doctors. Why would you take the opinion of forced birth trolls? Why, by the way, can be politicians over medical facts? Are you officially a propaganda machine now? Somebody said, yeah, Facebook, how dare you allow varying opinions of such an important issue? They don't want it. Or these Amish school of coding forced Birth trolls. Yes, this is the rhetoric of someone should be taken seriously. Yeah, she's clearly a person Facebook should be listening to. Yikesville. Maybe get her two Snickers bars. <laughs> she goes on and on. Planned Parenthood exec makes major admission about baby body parts, and they admitted it in that trial. They got them on the stand. While we see that in, uh, where the fuck was this? South Bend, 2,246 fetal remains found on a property of abortion doctor who recently died. 
Over 2,200 medically preserved fetal remains were found Thursday on the property of a deceased doctor in unincorporated Will County. About 3.30 p.m., the Will County Coroner's Office received a call from an attorney representing the family of Dr. Ulrich Koffler, who died September 3rd, stating that while going through the doctor's personal property, he found what appeared to be fetal remains. The Will County Sheriff's Office said officials responded to address in unincorporated Will County and were directed to an area of property where they found 2,246 mentally preserved fetal remains, the sheriff's office said. The remains were taken by the coroner's office. There's no evidence that any medical procedures were conducted on the property. The doctor's family is fully cooperating with the Will County officials. Yeah. His license was suspended three years ago for his live birth abortions. But it doesn't happen, remember that. And while the debate was going, a truck circles Dem debate with searing message. Abortion separates children from their family. And isn't that true? We were all worried about the border. We don't want to separate them. But yeah, yeah. And finally on the debate, before we go into our media pushing Dems segment with our new bumper... Democratic supporters outside the debate in Houston harassed police officers by yelling obscenities at them like, fuck the police, accusing them of working with the Ku Klux Klan and being Americans Gestapo. This anti-police stance is common at left-wing events and growing. They were protesting also the Dem candidates who aren't left enough. So here's a moment of insanity from the left as we go into media pushing Dems. You'll hear a bumper and then a soundbite. This is a snippet of how much the media jerked off to Beto O'Rourke's take their fucking guns. We have a lot of police presence out here today. Right over here and here. Fuck the police! Fuck the police! Fuck the police! Fuck the 
say that we are closer to victory today is to believe in the face of the evidence the optimists who have been wrong in the past. Do Democrats overestimate the fear uh, by not leaning more into gun control measures? But just as important as what we are going to do this hour is what we're not going to do. We're not going to debate climate change, the existence of it. The earth is getting hotter and human activity is a major cause, period. We're not going to give time to climate deniers. The science is settled, even if political opinions That. Whereas everyone knows that Democrats actually care about stuff, right? Bigots on the ballot are the shameful dark side of our politics right now and they are running as republicans they've seen his face before nobody was really sure he was on the house of Lord. but i do want to come to congressman o'rourke because i know this is personal to you el paso is your hometown some on this stage have suggested a voluntary buyback for guns in this country. You've gone further. You said, quote, Americans who own AR-15s and AK-47s will have to sell them to the government, all of them. You know the critics call this confiscation. Are you proposing taking away their guns, and how would this work? I am. If it's a weapon that was designed to kill people on a battlefield, if... The high-impact, high-velocity round, when it hits your body, shreds everything inside of your body because it was designed to do that so that you would bleed to death on a battlefield and not be able to get up and kill one of our soldiers. When we see that being used against children, and in Odessa, I met the mother of a 15-year-old girl who was shot by an AR-15, and that mother watched her bleed to death over the course of an hour because so many other people were shot by that AR-15 in Odessa and Midland. There weren't enough ambulances to get to them in time. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. What about Beto O'Rourke's comment about guns, where he said, hell yes, we're going to take your AK-40s, AK-47s. Great reaction in the room. Sure. How do you think it plays Constitutionally the problematic, legislatively almost <laughs> impossible. But one thing I think you can fairly say about Beto O'Rourke, he's been transformed by a horrible event during this campaign in real time. All of that, I was born to this Vanity Fair wanderlust about his campaign, that's gone. He is a candidate of, of conviction on a real-time issue, and he looked much more serious and focused about what this is for him. Not saying he's going to win or even get in the top tier, but he looks and sounds like a fundamentally different candidate transformed by a horror in his hometown. When you talk about authenticity, as terrible as it was to achieve it, yeah. he's much closer to it than he's been before. To bless it. Well, who but else would ban the jewel? Do? Six that, people are dead. Yeah, exactly. They're willing, they're willing to ban, ban jewel, jewel immediately. But they're not willing to ban guns, right? And look, we were, you, I mean, where you lived, where I lived, everybody had guns. Nobody had AK-47s. Nobody had AK-47s. No one hunts with those guns. Everybody knows that. I, and, and I think it's actually useful to have Beto stake out that position. We're going to take your guns. It may not be great for his campaign, may or may not, but that makes um, a, a, a voluntary buyback sort of the middle of the road, moderate position that we can all come together. And he is standing to say that. Absolutely. He was in Odessa, yep. the most recent mass shooting in Texas. Absolutely. He was in El Paso. And, and I think, you know, and I said this before, I, I think this is the mood, not just at the base, 
Yep. Not just the people who are in it. Yeah. I think this is becoming the mood. And, and the idea that any Democrat or that the party would suffer because of position on guns seems ludicrous when the facts are it's Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump right. holding up gun control. Well, and That's not exactly only that, right. but you had better go to a gun show and sit there and talk to people. The people that I've known that have AR-15s are mainly collectors. They're not normally people who are out there shooting deer with them. And so the idea that you're not, I mean, unless there are people who are extremists who are stocking them up in their apartments, which is a whole other matter, most reasonable gun owners who may even be collectors with those kinds of weapons can have a conversation about the fact that they don't want any Tom, Dick, and Harry stockpiling them in their apartment and then carting them off to Walmart because they're angry at an employer or they just don't like brown people. So I think we the, the whole gun debate has changed. It's about Mitch McConnell and Republicans refusing to have even a sane normal discussion about guns that's moved the gun debate and as i always say on guns and the environment it could be what we saw with gay marriage the most mm-hmm. fast the fastest moving issue of our adult lives because the american people have a funny way of deciding what is important to them and then when they decide it sort of builds and builds and builds and then they're done and yeah. i don't know that we're there but i think we're certainly Plus, getting there yeah. on that. We're, uh, we're going to take the first break but, but the action was, the, the interesting stuff to me was below the leaders. I think Beto had an outstanding night, passionate, commanding in a way that he hasn't been before. It's as if he's finally figured out why he's in this race. He did at one point say, you know, if you have an AK-47 uh, AR-15, we're going to take it away. Right. Which is the nightmare of everybody who owns an AR-15. There's no doubt. And look, he was for reparations. That's a very controversial position. I'm not suggesting that what happened tonight means he's going to be president of the United States. Mm-hmm. But he didn't look like he belonged on that stage in the last yeah. debates. Tonight, he knew why he was there, and he uh, performed well. I also want to completely agree about... Democrats saying what they mean this year. Like, that was my takeaway watching this. We are just watching Democrats say what they mean because our ideas are not out of the mainstream. Our ideas are actually widely popular, even about things that we have been told are controversial for years, like guns. In that soundbite, that little bumper, it goes back to when it all started with Cronkite. I couldn't actually find the war is lost. I couldn't find that soundbite. Google wouldn't give it to me. But that one's pretty damn close. Then you have Chuck Todd. There's no time for an opposite opinion. Then you have Scudo, which I was going to play after that long soundbite you just listened to, of them all getting into what the Dems are saying. Are they not doing enough? And it closed with our typical every election cycle when they have nothing else to talk about. Republicans are all bigots. Oh, and I forgot the good one. You'll hear it later in the New York Times. The one before that. Democrats care about stuff. Republicans don't care about stuff. They just care about money. That's all they care about. That's the perfect soundbite of what our media has turned into and what they do. They push Democrats. I mean, climate. We'll have that in a second. Gay rights. It didn't matter what the subject was. Our media pushed the left to say what they mean. You heard it. They're saying what they mean. Thomas Massey, the number of hunting licenses sold in the United States last year was greater than the 10 biggest armies in the world combined. Politicians considering gun confiscation and mandatory buybacks should chew on that. That's a fucking reporter. Shuler Smith, you can, you can hunt without AR-15s. Texas mom for Beto. 
Here's the thing. I don't think you should even eat the meat of an animal killed with a semi-automatic automatic weapon. It would be so full of shrapnel. They don't know anything about guns. None of these people. Charles Cook, I believe this. I was in a gun store today and the owner said to me that he had heard Beto on the radio and was so impressed that he's going to burn his store down tonight. He even picked out the matches. <laughs> That's the fucking truth. Then we have the Stephanie rule on abortion, which I was going to play in this segment. They didn't talk about it. So Liz Plank went to it. This is, once again, a reporter. One of the greatest threats to our society and common good is the criminalization of abortion. Yet not a peep, not a single mention about the damn debate. This is not a drill. Clinics are shutting down. The right is being creative in its battle. We need to be creative, too. The right has come up with new and evil ways of stripping abortion access, and yet we on the left keep uttering the same platitudes about women's right to choose. We're bringing a knife to a gunfight. We need a better strategy because the cost of losing is far too great. She talked about a gun. That's threatening, Twitter. When the left frames the criminalization of abortion as a woman's issue, it becomes seen as a niche impacting only a sliver of the population rather than an urgent crisis like climate change or gun safety intersectionality with dramatic public health consequences for all of us, men included. We have public health problems. You have babies, this is fucking horrible. Those babies, they spread diseases. You just don't know where those babies have been. What a fucking nut job. Abortion rights just don't enhance men's lives on a collective level. It also allows them to thrive. One study found that boys who can avoid becoming teenage fathers have a greater chance of going to college if abortion is an option for them and their partners. That's a poll. Your life will be better if you kill the baby because you're irresponsible and you didn't use the three free birth control that Obama gave you. Since Roe v. Wade passed... 50 million abortions have been performed, which means millions of women have benefited from the right to choose. But what we rarely acknowledge is that this also means that millions of men also benefited from the right to choose, too. At least one man on that stage last night was able to run for president because of the right to abortion and has benefited the tireless work of reproductive justice advocates, most of which are women. The best way for them to have our backs is to remain on the sidelines. Female politicians have heroically publicly shared their deeply personal abortion stories from Wendy Davis to Jackie Spear. So the only question that remains is who will be the first male politician to be brave enough to do it. If you benefit because you killed a baby, you're an irresponsible fucking piece of shit. And she's wrong on the abortion. It's more than 50. Mon cherie, as the lady said. She says 50. No, no, no. Abortion clock. Clicking it right now. Worldwide since 1980, $1 trillion. Worldwide this year, $28 million. Since uh, Roe, $61 million. $603,703 babies. By Planned Parenthood, $8 million of them. By Planned Parenthood this year, 244. This week, this year, after 16 weeks, 31,760. United States this year, 661,000 abortions. Black babies since 1973, 18,481,112. And since I loaded this fucking page, 61, 63, 64, 65, 
babies have been aborted in America. Yeah. Yeah. But well, we need that. Because everybody benefits from killing babies. While this was going on, National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children Memorial held across the country. Media ignored that shit. Mostly religious people. I mean, how many babies do you have to kill before you just use birth control or rubber or or be goddamn responsible? Then, of course, climate. They talked about it. Joy Behar, she was still losing her goddamn mind. People have to remember that we're voting for an entire executive branch. We're not just voting for one man. Everybody on that stage is on the same um, place about health care, basically. They want you to have it. Mm-hmm. They're not taking it away like the other party. They're all on the same page about climate change. They're worried about water. This guy, Trump, is allowing pesticides for children that children are going to ingest. He's throwing, uh, he's throwing, uh, what's this stuff he's throwing into the water? He's destroying oh, the water yeah, the in one part of the country. Be, the regulations. So they're on the same page about that. They're on the same page about guns. So you're not just voting for a person. You're voting for a party. I think people need to remember that. Okay. Yeah. So that if you don't love Joe Biden... Remember, if he can get elected, he will do the right thing. Everything that comes by his desk is a democratic initiative. Time Magazine's brand new issue is solely dedicated to climate change. And it is only the fifth issue where every single page is dedicated to a single topic. You don't have any skeptics here. And there are still a lot of skeptics. Possibly our president is one. You know, you, you, we can and should debate what is the best route to mitigate climate change and global warming the the science the fact that it's happening is settled there is no okay. other side so, to the so science to you, there is no debate whether or not this exists it exists so there's no reason to give voice to the other it's it's right in front of us the phenomenon we can debate the methods we can debate the policies we do in this issue and in all our of our coverage debate how we come at this but the fact that it's happening is is settled uh, it's stunning that there are still people who are skeptical. I, I want to share what Al Gore writes about the size of the problem, where he says, Humanity is now spewing more than 110 million tons of global warming pollution every day into the atmosphere, adding that it is equal to what would be released by 500,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding on Earth every single day. That being the case, how is it that this isn't being treated like more of an emergency? The second part is time. This issue is civilization can get its act together. Might it just mark a midpoint in time's coverage of the biggest crisis facing our planet? Extra proud of the work of time today. We always aim to present both sides of every issue. But there are not two sides to climate change. Brian Seltzer, time is coming out of the climate issue of magazine on Thursday. What we will not will not find is the issue are climate change skeptics. Tom Elliott, Time Editor in Chief Edward Fezenthal, Fezenthal is boasting that their upcoming global issue only presents one side of the issue. What you will not find in this issue are climate change skeptics. Quarter our mission is bringing together diverse perspectives. Experts can and should debate the best route to mitigate the effects of climate change, but there's no serious doubt that those effects are real. We're witnessing them right in front of us. The science of global warming is settled. There isn't another side, and there isn't another moment. Variety worries Hollywood not doing enough to fight climate crisis. 
It has escalated to a terrifying degree. Author Cynthia Littleton said the alarmist scene early Alarmist scene early, complete with the obligatory warning of there will be only 11 years left to limit the apocalyptic impact of rising air and ocean temperatures. Even worse, according to Variety, there is growing criticism that mainstream TV news organizations and storytellers in Hollywood haven't done enough to raise public awareness of the need for action, just like they did for black presidents and gay people. Brainwash the masses. That's what they need to do. Laughably, Variety claims The Handmaid's Tale is among the few series that directly acknowledge the impact of climate change. How? It just snows all the time there, which isn't global warming. And one's called uh, Supergirl, as several global warming episodes. One's called Skeptic Morons. Last season, South Park flipped on global warming, say Al Gore was right all along. Last year, CBS Comedy and Neighborhood declare global warming racist. Madam Secretary had been global warming agreements and legislation and plot lines. Um, Hulu's four wedding and a funeral shrieked, we're all going to die from climate change. A boy on casual declared global warming is going to get us. Uh, TV Lens teachers taught us we're all going to die. Other shows that had global warming storyline in recent years, including The X-Files, Chicago Med, Superstore, Fuller House, Good Omens, Pandora, and Sci-Fi Incorporated. But what do they forget? Joe Concha. Early Nielsen's numbers from last night are in from 5 to 12. CNN Climate Crisis Town Hall. Fox News, 2.5 million total. MSNBC, 1.7 million total. CNN, 1.1 million. And the most alarming stat in there is only 265 fucking millennials watched it. Elliot Schwartz jokingly says, good job, Fox, for covering it. Because they're the only people that covered it afterwards. Once again, a meteorologist, Ryan Mao. Narrator, most of what Beto recites on climate change is word salads. Amy is adult with the existential crisis bumper sticker. Warren, also doomsday rhetoric. Save our planet. Camilla, existential threat bumper sticker. Sue fossil fuel companies. Yang, incomprehensible. Ramos, first framed the climate question about Booker's veganism. The CNN Climate Town Hall already covered this ground in excruciating detail. Yang made no sense a climate change question was bad as Booker's answer. Liz just said it's a threat to every living thing, so when climate changed during the Ice Age, it destroyed all living things, huh? This is interesting. I wonder how many times every living thing has been destroyed and what kick-started it. Again. HuffPost. Never give up. This teenage climate activist joins hundreds of young protesters to demand global action on climate change. Ryan Meow. Whenever there is a protest gathering with folks holding signs, they take a moment to actually read the signs and photos. At the climate strike in front of White House, typically see no plan B. But one sign seemed odd. We're sacrificing our education to save our future. That was a sign. A few hundred people, mostly teenagers, young people, gathered at the lift south of the White House carrying signs that read, I want you to panic. Why are we studying for a future we won't have climate activists? We won't have. I'm sorry, I fucked that up. Why are we studying for a future we don't have? They don't want their education. Climate activists of the White House today declare they will have no more kids until the Green New Deal passes. Then Ocasio-Cortez came out. 
What is not realistic is not responding to the crisis, not responding with their solution. Oh my god, we got going! Let's listen to it, just freak the fuck out, the planet's on fire! When it comes to climate change, the people are responsible for the solution on the scale of the crisis. Because what's not realistic is Miami not existing in a few years. That's not realistic. So we need to be realistic about the problem. Climate is the leading subject the media pushes and calls out the left for not being too far enough. And they do no investigative reporting. They don't go into fucking AOC's Green New Deal and say, what the fuck is this, a fucking chicken in every pot shit? But want more facts? Here's a double whammy. Here's Cuomo defending socialism and then an interview with Omar. Some people did something. Tell me if she was a Republican after being called out of the 9-11 memorial. You could get away with this. Here's what I don't get is that, you know, I get that you want to make political points with this, but, you know, people like your family and what you represent, which, again, I believe is part of the blessing of this country. Your fight is with the president that you support. He's the one who talks about people like your parents, like there's some other that shouldn't be in this country because they came here with nothing except the hope in their heart and wanting to make it. He doesn't want those people in this country now. AOC isn't your enemy. You can go after I, her policies I, I, and I say don't they don't that, fit Chris, in a capitalist like society. Chris, but if you may not believe it, but it's the truth, Elizabeth. He's the one who's going after people like Chris, your family. I don't believe this because he's the... I stand by the president, and the thing is with the president, he defends... He fights against socialism in every turn that he can. But he embraces he dictators believe, everywhere do, he finds them. freedom... And economic opportunities. Look, he's working. You know, I'm not going to talk. Um, I'm not here on the show to talk about some of what the president is doing from a foreign policy standpoint. Why not? My main point for creating this pack. Well, I, I want to talk about my main point for creating this. But pack if you're going that to say that your people. fear is that we're going to have an autocratic regime that winds up killing people in the name of a political ideology, you have a president who I don't believe has any capability like that. But you look at a Duterte, he says favorable things. Putin, favorable things. Kim Jong-un, favorable things. That is what should, you should be scared about, is that him saying, we don't no, want Bahamians I in there because they're drug dealers. We don't want people coming across our southern border because they're a brown menace. That should concern you. But you're likening AOC wanting a Green New Deal to somebody who tried to commit genocide in Cambodia? Do you, do you feel like it's been tough for you here in Washington to change your rhetoric, to, to be less of an activist and try to be a legislator, that, that sometimes the language you use has gotten in your own way. I certainly don't think that. Um, you know, when we were celebrating a um, few nights ago, I talked about how some people would say, Ilhan, you should speak a certain way. Ilhan, you should uh, do something a certain way. And I think that's contradictory, really, to uh, the purpose of, of my existence in this space. You were specifically banned by the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, from visiting that country. Mm -hmm. uh, he faces a very tough election uh, in the next few days. Um, if he doesn't win, are you going to try to go back and, and do you stand by your call for a boycott of Israel? 
I certainly hope uh, that the people of Israel make a different decision. Um, and my hope is that they recognize that his existence, his policies, um, his rhetoric really uh, is contradictory to the peace that we are all hoping that that region receives and receives soon. AOC, Omar, and Tlaib have been pushed by the media, defended by the media, regardless of what they do. You say anything about money and Jewish people, and you're conservative, you are an anti-Semite. They outright say anti-Semitic things. They are defended by the media, and they call the people that called them out racist, sexist, Islamophobic. Those people, they are where they are because of our media. They made those people. And then finally, finally, and we'll go into our hateful left. The New York Times and MSNBC. Two subjects. New York Times from our bumper. This is a constant in our media. They push it and try to brainwash the masses. Democrats care about things. Republicans don't give a fuck about things. They're just for rich white old men. That's all they're there for. And there was a story in the New York Times again from somebody writing a book with a loosely sourced fucking premise about Kavanaugh. And here is a person on MSNBC literally saying Kavanaugh was the first person, the fifth person at a gang rape. Remember, Kavanaugh. That was all pushed by the media. And the moment it wasn't true, it was dropped by a, like a bad fucking habit. Interesting when you say be a little bit more vague, because there was one point where they were asking Elizabeth Warren, will the taxes go up? Specifically, will taxes on the middle class go up? And then they specifically asked Biden, would you increase the number on immigration? And specifically, Bernie, what would you do with the numbers? I found myself asking myself one question, and that was, does Trump have an advantage because he will just blatantly lie on a debate stage? They go like, who will pay for a wall? Mexico. (laughs) What are you going to do with ISIS? I've got a secret plan. Right. Does, does that give him an advantage in a debate? I think it does. I mean, one of the strangest things to me about all of this is that Trump has no policy ideas. Like you said, he kind of just says what's on his mind. Right. He will give you whatever answer he needs to get to the next question or get out of the interaction. And the press treats him like that. Whereas everyone knows that Democrats actually care about stuff. Right. So the press and they have policies. They have policies, so the press treats them like they care. Huh. And so that creates an automatic asymmetry because when you care, you do actually want to get the details right. You want to make sure you're not doing something terrible. If you don't care either way, if it does not matter to you what happens, if you are just trying to pander to the greatest number of people, like President Trump often is, then yeah, you can just say whatever. And it's hard to deal with that in the context of a 30 second response in a debate. That she had to talk about the Republican voters in a certain way that, in her sense, didn't turn them off. But then she got caught up in the, well, you're, you're damning them. But if they're supporting what Donald Trump is doing, it, it's, it becomes difficult to peel them away ideologically from what he's doing. And if what he's doing is racism, well, then what do you say about the folks who are cheering him on? Well, no, it's a great point. And, you know, in addition to Hillary in 2016 making her comment about, you know, basket of deplorables, which I wish she had not said at the time, and I think she wishes she hadn't said at the time. Turns out she was dead on. And if you go back to 2008, if you remember, Barack Obama said people with their guns and I think Bibles, I might be getting the quote wrong. But here you have a real problem in that, you know, 
When I disagree with Barack Obama, it really was only on Syria, maybe one or two other things. But I could do that because it wasn't an indictment on me. It was just a policy difference. For Donald Trump's supporters to turn on him or even put some space on him, they have to acknowledge that what they don't like in him that they have to see it in themselves. So it's very different when someone says, oh, I don't really like the president because he made this policy decision, as opposed to, oh, I don't like this president because I voted for him, he's a racist, and it turns out he's a racist, and he keeps saying racist things. I wonder if I'm a racist. That is a really big problem, and I don't know that those are the voters that the Democrats need to win over. I don't think those are the, the voters that the Democrats need to win over in 2018 to take back the House. Yeah, I mean, and, and what if they can? And Karina, I'll come to you on this because we, you and I have been talking about what's happening with the Bahamas. Yeah. You now have people being denied entry and yeah. temporary protected status. If that's okay with you, I don't think that you're even a, a winnable voter, no matter how you're... So this is giving me a, a flashback to all the disgusting things that I thought about Brett Kavanaugh last year. We'll go through the technical things first. There's the mysterious debt. We don't know where that went. We have no idea where that went. Right. I don't know anybody who spends that much money on national tickets, right? That didn't make any sense to me. Then you have the thousands of legal documents, right? right. Things that he wrote in the Bush administration that Republicans wouldn't turn forward. Then you have a history of sexual assault. I said last year, Joy, I've never heard of a guy who's a one-time rapist. I've never heard of a guy who's a one-time sexual assaulter. I grew up with guys like this. He's from around this area, right? He's the fifth guy in a gang rape, okay? He's the guy who comes in after he's drunk because everybody else encourages him he can get away with it. He's been pretty much covered his entire life. And now he's on the Supreme Court where he can move that same despicable misogynistic attitude that he's gotten away with his entirely cowardly life to the greatest misogynist of all, which is the President of the United States. And lastly, I'll say this, and it's just like your last guest mentioned. It has amazed me that we have an administration that out of the millions of people who are qualified in this country of all races and genders, they consistently find men who beat, abuse, and sexually assault women. This ain't the first, the second, the fourth, or even the fifth guy that we have found like this nest of vipers that has invested this entire state. And I, I am... I'm not surprised that we found this out about Brett Kavanaugh, but I will be equally disgusted because if we don't have a Speaker of the House who will go after the President for this kind of behavior, I doubt she'll do anything about Brett Kavanaugh. I rest my case. There has been a time in our media when they were objective. And we've now gone to a new level where literally the leading edge of progressive thought, candidacy, and the Democratic National Committee is ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and MSNBC. Throw in PBS occasionally. They're the leading edge. They're the vanguard of ideals and decorum. I mean, you can say I'm full of shit, but you could start it when Trump got the nomination and they didn't pull off the coup. That was the moment they went into overdrive. They're always biased. They're always saying the Republicans can't throw a convention, the racist Nazis throwing grandma off the, the cliff. Those are just normal things. They covered up Hillary taking the nomination from Bernie, the walkout at the convention, the disorganization at the convention from flags to everything, to her lackluster speech, to seat fillers. They covered up when she did a face plant. They covered up when she said deplorable. And then once he won, they rolled out facts first, facts first, 
democracy dies in the dark. We're going to get back to journalism. It's knocking us out how much we have to work now because of Trump. They push the left. They're in charge of the messaging for democratic politics. And going forward, I'm going to take certain examples like this, and it'll just be media pushing the left. That's what I'm going to call it. They're pushing them forward to get them to be more progressive. To hateful things from the left, and we'll go into news and social media nuggets. On Mojo, Mika suggests Trump isn't the biological father of Barron. Yeah. That is just fucking unbelievable. A president of the United States. Wasn't that birthers? Didn't we have that under Obama? Now we're doing it with Trump kids? Then this heinous shit happened in California. Out in California, an anti-vaccine protester reportedly threw a red substance of some sort all over the inside of the state legislator to protest a new law that tightens up medical exemptions for vaccines. Ben Christopher, so one of the anti-vax protesters threw some kind of red liquid from the Senate gallery and yelled, I believe, this is for the blood of dead babies. It appeared to be red food coloring. I believe it hit the desk of Senator Guligani and Holly, Holly Mitchell. Law enforcement bring caution tape in the Senate floor. Alexis Kosman, without comment, Gavin Newsom signs SB 276 and SB 714, imposing new restrictions on medical exemptions for mandatory childhood vaccinations because it's out of control. Angela Hart brings home why I'm covering it. CHB just told us it's menstrual blood. Menstrual blood. California Highway Patrol, which this is Yashir Ali, which protects the governor, among other, confirms that it indeed menstrual blood. Matthew Keyes, protester, said it was blood. A Sacramento B reporter said menstrual cup was located nearby. California Brief, pro-disease advocates throw red liquid on senators and chambers. That would be written if it was a conservative thing. Kyle Buss, just a normal day in the legislature where some nut job chucks menstrual blood on senators from the balcony. Yeah. But what they don't understand, dubious medical exemptions handout by California infamous anti-vaccine pediatrician Dr. Robert Seals will be revoked under fresh amendment to state bill designated to boost vaccination rates. You need to. And what's the underlying thing? Anybody? Bueller? Folks, you have brought in the third world. They're sleeping on your streets. There's shit everywhere. And needles and mumps and fucking diseases. The measles have broke out. Because they don't get vaccinations. And then you're not vaccinating your kids because you read some bullshit online. It's a public health crisis. It's not an option. And you liberals forget. It's not about your kids. I don't give a fuck if you, what you do with your kids. My kids. Your kids get those diseases. They give them to my kids. This isn't about you. It's about everybody else. And you're the same people, once again, who say we're all supposed to live one way. 
I mean, the media has dropped the ball on this shit. This is liberals. This isn't conservative. It is straight up liberal. Then, up in Omar's district, law enforcement in the 14th Congressional District have arrested over a dozen suspects in connection with a possible crime ring that was recently caught on camera allegedly beating a man. According to a report provided by Minneapolis Police Spokesman John Elder, a three-day sweep conducted two weeks ago ended with police arresting 16 people between the age of 13 and 25. The suspects are seen on a surveillance video punching, kicking, and riding over one man with a bike. One of the incidents happened on August 3rd near Target Field, according to criminal complaints. The footage shows approximately 12 males attempting to take a cell phone from a male victim, viciously beating him. Suspects are seen ripping the victim's shoes and pants off, then going through his pockets. The victim is noted to be punched and kicked in the head several times throughout the altercation. At one point, the complaint states the victim is thrown to the ground, left motionless, then repeatedly jumped on, hit with planting pots, and ridden over with a bicycle. They show the video. It's fucking heinous. Heinous. Why did the media not cover it? All the youth were non-white. They were people of color. They just ignored it. Glenn Kessler brings us to our next hateful shit. Google's made it really easy to search for fact checks. Just go here and put in a name or a subject. So Stephen Miller went in, and as you can guess... Everything that would be against the left is not in there. It's not there. Then, a 9-11 story. And this is just some crazy-ass shit, but unsurprising. Washington Post backtracks on a story about a North Carolina Democrat legislator and 9-11 ceremony. The Washington Post could have spared themselves a lot of embarrassment on Wednesday if only they had done some basic fact-checking instead of acting as robotic stenographers for Democrat talking points. And the talking point in question was the fake news that Republicans' legislator in North Carolina broke rules to vote for a budget override while their Democrat colleagues were nobly attending a 9-11 ceremony. North Carolina Republicans overrode a budget veto while Democrats were at a 9-11 ceremony, says their tweet. Unfortunately for the Washington Post, acting as a Democratic Party mouthpiece, this story was just plain wrong. Had they done their fact-checking, as was performed by the Raleigh News and Observer article, they could have spared themselves the public humiliation of embarrassing backtrack. The House and Senate passed the GOP-written budget, but Democrat Governor Roy Cooper voted in on June 5th. Republicans don't have a supermajority in the House or Senate. In order to override Cooper's veto, they needed Democrats to vote with them or wait until a day when the Democrats were absent to give them the edge they needed, okay? That summed up the background of the situation. Now on the claim that the Republicans were not playing by the rules, did Republicans break any rules? No. The budget override was on the calendar for Wednesday morning session. So no rules were broken, but didn't the Republicans act unfairly by taking advantage of the fact that their Democrat colleagues were attending a 9-11 ceremony, as the Washington Post via their Democratic talking point handlers alleged? Again, the News and Observer provide us with actual facts. Where were the Democrats? Some headlines suggest the Democrats were at an event commemorating 9-11 tech. The vote was taken in roughly the same time as the National Moment of Silence, but the News and Observers confirmed only two Democrats attended the 9-11 event. One was Cooper, who spoke in the North Carolina National Guard September 11th commemoration in Raleigh. The other was Representative Garland Pierce of Scotland County, who says he attended an event in Reefert. So only one count 
him, one Democrat legislature, was at the 9-11 commemoration. Just a bit of fact-checking would have saved the Washington Post from forced issue a clarification. September 11, 2019, North Carolina, blah, blah, blah. North, they did it in the evening. Clarification. An earlier version of this article only generalized the reason for Democrats' absence with General Assembly session. The story has been updated. Generalized is how they said they lied. They saw a way to bash Republicans, and so they went with it. Yeah. T. Beckett Adams, you may want to sit down for this one. A major newsroom published a bogus story this week casting Republicans as villains and Democrats as noble victims. Wow, a newsroom published a false report that just so happens to line up perfectly with Democratic talking points. Someone get me a glass of water. I'm feeling lightheaded from the shock. I assure you, it's a coincidence that the media mistake keeps happening and that they all point in one direction. It is just a total coincidence, a mysterious of nature like airplanes disappearing in the Bermuda Triangle. They're garbage. Our media is straight up garbage. To a music break, yeah, I'm playing Christmas music. So what? And news, social, media nuggets. Old Mr. Kringle is soon gonna jingle the bells that'll tingle all your troubles away. Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag Cause Christmas is coming again He's got a sleigh full, it's not gonna stay full He's got stuff to drop at every stop of the way Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag Cause Christmas is coming again He'll be here With the answer to the prayers that you've made through the year You'll get yours Good, he'll make this December the one you remember, the best and the merriest you ever did have. Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag. Christmas is here again.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. That's why they call me. Trying to get crazy with this, eh? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Military Corner. Father of McConnell's 2014 opponent convicted of funneling funds to daughter's campaign. Just want to make sure it got out there and she's ex-military. So thus, we're reporting it here. Yeah. U.S. military bombs ISIS island into oblivion. I covered it last podcast. I have just the sexiest video of it. But it's music, so it doesn't look good. Support for repeal of widow tax higher than ever. Military coalition tells Congress a group of 32 military and veteran organizations went up and pressed against that, and I hope they get Congress to fix it, because that's just ridiculous. Military spouses and their family should not have to deal with that shit. A Navy carrier strike group is deploying without its broken-down aircraft carrier. This is absurd. Harry S. Truman strike group are deploying for the East Coast this week, but one thing is missing. The air, aircraft carrier Harry S. Truman. Four ships, the guided missile cruiser Normandy, guided missile cruiser Lausanne, Forrest Sherman and Farragut will form a surface action group, and the Truman continues to undergo, undergo repairs. <clears throat> the last team left Florida on Thursday, according to Navy news release. The other three ships are expected to depart in the coming days. Vice Admiral Andrew Lewis, U.S. Second Fleet Commander, said in a statement that the deployment demonstrates the Navy ability to maneuver and flex to accomplish its task without airplanes. Because that's the only reason why you're going over there, dickheads. Um, basically, it doesn't list what's wrong with it. But it's clearly obvious. Uh, we need more aircraft carriers. Congress wants the military to report extremism in the ranks. Here, why, here's the, why that's a tough problem. Because their, their thing is about anybody who isn't a liberal. You're supposed to rat on them. From tattoos to social media to paraphernalia. They have any articles. And under most of the liberal dictums, folks, I'm not saying don't go after KKK members and Wahoos like that, I get the NRA magazine. To some liberals, that makes me an extremist. I get two. Well, I get one and my wife gets one. So, yeah. Do we report people for that? IG report, this is fucking horrible. U.S. sent bomb-sniffing dogs to Jordan, then they died. U.S. government continued to provide dozens of bomb-sniffing dogs to the Kingdom of Jordan even as the animals were dying of serious health problems and others were so poorly treated they had lost the will to work. 
Since 2008, at least 12 U.S. trained explosive detection canines provided to the kingdom under an anti-terrorism program died from medical problems. Others were overworked, unhealthy, and forced to live in kennels with barely existent sanitation, including some where a deadly virus was rampant. The dire straits of the Jordan program were revealed in an evaluation of the State Department program by the agency's inspector general. Pieces of shit. West Point has changed how cadets are assigned branches. ROTC will soon follow. A marketing, a market model branching system that takes input from the commandants of each branch who rank cadets as most preferred, preferred, or least preferred, according to Army News Posting. The number of cadets allocated in each of these three ranks depend on the branch's need. The program starts with West Point candidates receiving their branch assignments this November, but will eventually be used across the Reserve Officer Training Corps detachments next year. Cadets will be judged based on the range of factors, including test scores, physical fitness, transcripts, personal statements, and for the first time, interviews with the branches they're interested in. So, they're turning it into a Fortune 500 company. Huh. Then there's a new documentary on country music by uh, Ken Burns. I'm not watching it, but it's an interesting article from Task and Purpose. Five ways country music intersects with military and Ken Burns' country music. Number one, during World War II, American soldiers preferred country music to swing. Two, Storman Norman was a huge fan of the Civil War series. Three, Charlie Daniels protested the Vietnam War. Early in his career, Charlie was a member of Earl Scruggs' band, along with Earl's son, Randy. Randy urged his father to perform in a massive moratorium march on Washington, D.C. Approximately one million people marched, and Charlie Daniels was there. Plus, they did the song Still in Saigon. Four. Pearl Harbor knocked the Carter family off the cover of Life magazine. Five. Country singer Jan Howard lost two sons during the Vietnam War. Wow. That's crazy. Two. Our college crazy. And we're going to have a soundbite of a leftist protester losing his mind because Sean Spicer was talking. Police. Shut him down instead. Our hands together and welcome our moderator for tonight, Phil Ponce.
there no one that democracy is easy to see you. Now again, that is democracy, right? start off with some 9-11 stuff. Flashback. NYU professor asked, when did the memory of 9-11 become sacred? Talia Levine, a professional professor of journalism at New York University, came under fire for tweeting, when did the memory of 9-11 become sacred in what way and to whom on Saturday? Levine remarked came in the wake of the controversy over Minnesota Democratic Senator Ilian Omar decision to refer to the terrorist attack of September 11th was some people did something. Many people across the country, including President Trump, have content- condemned Omar for seemingly dismissive words. I meant this as genuine question. It was indisputably tragic, world-changing evil and despicable and a turning point in history. But sacred is a particular word with its own religious meanings, and I wanted to pinpoint what it means to call such a day sacred, specifically. Hmm. Then, she says, the real victim, Captain Shithead. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So, she's a fucking winner. Then, professor, another professor doubles down on 9-11 tweet despite university's condemnation. Northwestern University professor, 
happy 9-11 tweet has been condemned by his own university, which calls his comments disgraceful. The professor, however, appears to be standing by his tweet and offered no apologies. On Wednesday, 18th anniversary of 9-11 attack, Justin Martin, a journalism professor at Northwestern's Qatar campus, tweeted, Happy 9-11, claiming more than 8,441 civilians died in Yemen this year, helped by U.S. arms deal to Saudi Arabia. The U.S. is complicit in far more terror than it has ever suffered. Northwestern University finds it disgraceful that he makes the fight light of American horrors or the horrors of 9-11 on Americans. This is insensitive and deeply disappointing, particularly on the anniversary of the terror attacks. In a follow-up tweet, Martin recalled an incident he witnessed in 2005 in Ahmad, Jordan, where Al-Qaeda bombed several hotels and killed dozens of people, adding that all terrorism should be denounced, not just rich countries. I'm part of a small percentage of Americans who's been seeing terrorism up close. I was living in Amman when Al-Qaeda suicide attackers bombed multiple hotels and killed dozens of people. All terrorism should be announced, not just in rich countries. He says to the response, I don't agree I made light of 9-11, but rather critically disp... Dis- uh, let me get my glasses. It's like font zero. Critically, uh, but rather criticize disparity in how terror victims are acknowledged in different places. But I understand the tweet angered some. The statement. And he made a statement basically saying, go fuck yourself. But this is our universities. Director of Illegal Alien University says nation nation states should not exist. Citizenship is completely arbitrary. Borders are not completely legitimate. Citizenship is ridiculous, and the nation-state itself has no place in the future, according to executive director of one of Georgia universities. Freedom University prides itself as serving exclusive illegal alien students and advocating a progressive stance on immigration. On Monday, St. Olaf College of Minnesota hosted Dr. Laura Soltis, the school's executive director, and Arbzibith Sanchez as community engagement coordinator, as well as an alum and current Freedom students to deliver a talk on solidarity solidarity in a new ice age. But it's immigration custom. <laughs> Aren't you cute? Attended by Campus Reform, before launching a declaration that the world would be better off without countries, the group began their hour and a half on stage providing some background on the work of Freedom University. Freedom was founded as a response to Georgia's policy dictating that illegal aliens are entitled to free K-12 education but may not attend the state's public universities. Soltis and her associates explained that Freedom University refers itself as Fuck You or F-U and brands a slogan on its official school shirts like the ones seen below. The school is also known for taking what it calls direct action against Georgia state government. This includes civil disobedience and teachers accompanying illegal alien arrests. Solstice prayed to the cloud. It says, fuck you to Trump. Um, FU alum Rachel A. was unwilling to disclose FU's location, saying that it was only released upon admission. Having somebody you know without the best of intentions know where you are would be very dangerous to a lot of students, particularly those of us who don't have DACA. Later on in the article, the FU director responded by first declaring that we're living on stolen land taken from Native Americans were saying that she partially recognizes the legal legitimacy of borders but refers the natural variety formed by mountain ranges and rivers. 
Oh, you're a fucking Moonbat. Holy shit, you're a Moonbat. Oh, yeah. Well, if that's the case, then every river is a new country? Is that What the fuck kind of logic is that? Dartmouth College Republican told the fuck right off for racist pro-ice statement. Conservative student group received backlash over social media after releasing a statement in support of U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, with students telling the group to fuck right off. The situation stemmed from Dartmouth College official statement regarding a routine ICE border checkpoint activity that occurred in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Checkpoint activity in a rural area far from an international border is unnecessary. It sends a message to odds with the open and welcome values of the institute like Dartmouth. We remain steadfast on our commitment to maintaining an environment free of harassment, discrimination based on immigration, or citizen status. Jeff Charlotte, the English professor, also warned students about a border checkpoint. International students are arriving today, and what do you know? Border Control has set up a checkpoint, pulling over cars, search, and ICE is apparently stopping local buses, boarding with dogs, and demanding ID papers, he tweeted. I don't know whether CBP pulling over cars and buses are near Dartmouth College is connected to the arrival of international students, but the timing is ugly. The Dartmouth College Republicans responded Friday to the college's original statement with a statement of their own. While we agree with Dartmouth's stated position that immigration security are important national issues, we condemn... Their fragrant disregard for the rules of law in favor of what they call open and welcoming values. The Dartmouth College Republicans support legal immigration to this great country. But those that cut the line and cheat the process should not be rewarded or protected for doing so. While that seems pretty logical to me, chapter continues to say it stands strongly with the men and women of law enforcement. We fully support the work of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, calling Dartmouth's statement irresponsible, shamelessly alleging the immorality of federal law enforcement. DCR can fuck right off with this racist nonsense. Dartmouth student Teddy Hill wielding on statement. Uh, let's read this whole fucking thing on Facebook. Being able to afford immigration lawyer and schooling to put you in the position to meet the U.S. immigration standards about luck, not right. The framing upholds the idea that people who are lucky enough to be able to follow the process deserve to be here more than someone born into different circumstances. It shows a fundamentally ignorant understanding of how you can go to where you are in life and self-righteous sense of entitlement that you arbitrarily choose to withhold those who seem different. DCR could fuck right off with this racist nonsense. You know, they they don't have an argument. So, they have to go with the racist shit. Because they don't have an argument. It's a law. Change the fucking law. Once again, it's stayed on the show. They're not going to because it's a good cudgel. But they always go to the racist instead of... Somebody's just saying, enforce the laws. While we may not agree with the opinion or strong language, we're always glad for feedback and see other students are passionate about the issue. If you and or some friends like discuss our different positions, a few members of the CRS team will be happy with you. Regardless, thank you for sharing your view. Best of luck with your fall term. Another student, Juan Lacquez Acasa, replied, Hey, fuck you to the conservative group. Fuck those racist bastards. Another, college conservative groups are some of the most overtly racist people in the country. My point proved. Mandatory USC sex training tells students consent is never a blanket statement. Here we go. Right on into the, can I touch your boobs? Yes. Can I put my penis in your vagina? Yes. Can I move it back and forth? No. 
You just want me to sit here? Yeah. You want me to take it out? Yeah. Okay. You want me to put it back in? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. A student returned to campus the fall semester. University of Southern California rolled out a program set on instilling the concept of affirmative consent in hopes of making a yes-means-yes attitude the standard of every sexual encounter of USC. Brenda Ingram, Director of Relationship and Sexual Violence Prevention and Services at USC Student Health, launched the initiative called Trojan Respect Consent, in which all incoming freshmen were required beginning Monday to undergo a 90 minutes of training on her concept of affirmative consent, according to the school's news release. Though not all affirmative consent laws require verbal affirmation, the overreaching idea is to shift the legal narrative from no means no to yes means yes. Ingram says in the release, the director emphasized that it is crucial to check in with your partner or partners every step of the way and continually assess whether they're able to provide rational, genuine consent, though by no means a comprehensive answer to the problem of assault, creating clear parameters, the definition of consent can help move the needle on a larger mission of eliminating sexual violence, Ingram said about her plan to impress upon students that consent is never a blanket statement. Ingram advocates to both affirmative consent laws and university policies in order to ensure that every participant is providing authentic, uncoerced, ongoing, voluntary permission to proceed at every step in a given sexual encounter. The university says that even with these policies in place, other factors could complicate the consensuality of a sex encounter, such as when one or both of the parties involved are intoxicated. According to Ingram, it is incumbent upon the person asking for consent to receive conscious and informed affirmation in order to proceed. Now, for the record, I never would have banged my girlfriend who is my wife if she was drunk off her ass. But that is the most absurd thing. What they're writing in is the ever-present, you can choose your mind, change your mind at any time. And even though I'm doing a Lighter, fair, and unbelievable. <clears throat> There's a big difference between rape and date rape. Date rape has turned into a tool for women to get back at men, for mothers to con their women into that was rape, and a whole hell of a lot of fucking bullshit that ruins people's lives. The case I'll be talking about in Unbelievable is a woman was raped by a total stranger. So the difference is, as me and my wife discussed last night, you're not ruining somebody's life by saying you were raped by somebody you don't know who's nameless and faceless. Women nowadays are ruining people's lives that are named and have a face, and it's a lie. Huge difference. It's not me too. Me too, you're saying directly to somebody... This happened. And as we're seeing from Kavanaugh to multiple other situations, people lie. And the problem with the people lying, it turns us all into a nut fuck where people who are actually abused feel like they're not being believed. That's more for women to police the fuck up. I would dog other women for lying if I was a woman. USC hosts anime writing course, but apparently lacks fun for state-required constitution course. I'm not reading it. That's all you need to know. 
That's why people like Harris can laugh during a debate about the Constitution. Ah, fuck that piece of shit. They don't follow that. Berkeley hosts the right to be lazy shifts its market mark Marxist thought class for credit. University of California, Berkeley, what man, ducks have you lose to these motherfuckers? I'm going to be so pissed. Titled, The Right to Be Lazy Shifts in Marcus Thought. The Fall 29 course is part of UC Berkeley's DECAL program, consisting of student-taught but faculty-approved courses. Marxist ideas were taken up by revolutionaries around the globe, from the anti-colonial militias in Africa and Latin America to those blockading the streets of Paris in 68 and Italy in 70. The course description reads, We will find in each struggle a Marxism specific to its historical and geographical context, reflected in the various stages of capitalist development. By studying these struggles and the creative responses to conditions they face, we will try to better understand what it means to be anti-capitalist, where the basic categories of capital and questions of the revolutionary subject. Campus Forum reached out for students' instructors for comment but not receive anything. Each of us has a right to be lazy, but none of us has a right to be rewarded of someone else's hard work. We do not oppose teaching different divergent subjects in decal classes, the chapter said. However, nobody can dispute the fact that if a decal class with a right-leaning curriculum was ever proposed, it would be promptly rejected. Colleges should be dedicated to promoting intellectual diversity and an important part of what is giving adequate space to conservative views, even if they are unpopular with the larger campus community. UC Berkeley spokesman Dan McGool previously commented to campus reform on the decal program, more generally saying, the campus administration has no connection to our control over these courses. Mogul referred campus form to the Academic Senate, which approves the courses, and they told him, go fuck yourself, your conservative-leaning website. To a previously spoken about subject, high school student steals car, remains in school without consequences. A high school teacher in Flint, Michigan, says a student stole her car, and neither the school nor the police have done anything to discipline the student. Mary Toth, a special education teacher at Southwestern High School, said her car was stolen on August 13th and has not yet been returned a month later. Toth said on August 13th the student was supposed to be helping her clean her classroom. Says she left her purse in the classroom when she stepped out. Says that she returned. So they discovered the money and the keys were stolen. She then discovered the student stole her 2015 Chevy Malibu. She and four other administrators were able to identify the student while watching surveillance video. Even though they know which student stole the car, the student is back at school, and the car is still missing. I broke out in hives the other day when I found out all the students were in the building. Can't sleep at night. I'm up all night worrying about how all this is going to play out, and where my car is, and how safe I'm going to be, because he has my address with my registration. This is Grand Theft Auto, and he's still sitting in the building, she said. Toth told NBC25 that she asked school administrators why nothing's been done to discipline the student. She said school officials told her they couldn't deny the student's right to education. He denied himself those rights when he stole my friggin' car. Toth also said she's still making car payments even though the car is stolen. I'm outraged by the fact that I make $700 worth of payments on a car she doesn't have. Toth says it was spotted on surveillance video tied to a shoplifting incident in Flint Save-A-Lot. We reached out to the store to get the surveillance video. An employee confirmed the incident but said Flint police have released have to release the video. Toss said insurance companies provided her with a car rental at a $5 a day cost, but after a month she will be responsible for the full cost. 
Told the outlet she's still hopeful to get her car back, but is also waiting to see if an insurance company will reimburse her for a car at the amount that would cover what she owes. She filed a police report, nothing's happening. Yeah. Because it's Flint. Flint, Michigan. And he's probably a kid of color, and you're racist. To our gay shit. I need to make a bumper for that. Gay shit. Sam Smith Smith breaks his silence on wanting to use they, them pronouns as non-binary singer admits they've been at war with their gender for a lifetime. Anybody even question that that guy wasn't heterosexual? Anybody. Not the way he sings. The way he acts. NBC News, this is, once again, I was going to put it in the media pushing, but I figured I had enough for today. This is not a story. All right, if any of you ever worked in retail, you can be fired for fucking anything when it comes to a customer. If you piss off the customer, you get fired. But because it's a tranny, NBC News made it a story. A transgender woman was fired from her job at a Nebraska coffee shop after telling a conservative activist that she wasn't welcome at the establishment. The only way this would ever get in the news is if it was a black employee at a Nebraska coffee shop told a white person to get out because they're wearing a Trump hat and they'd be defending that person. Or a Christian employee told an atheist to get out and she was fired and that company rocks. That's the only way these stories would go out. If it was just a normal person working at a coffee shop who told somebody get the fuck out, they wouldn't cover the story. She's a tranny. So somebody says, notice how NBC even puts scare quotes around pro-family in its tweet to let you know who the bad guys are right away. Gwen Aviles reported, a transgender woman was fired from a job in a brass coffee shop after telling conservative activists that she wasn't welcome to the establishment. Natalie Weiss said she was working at Cultiva, Espresso and Crepes in Lincoln. How do you know they're a conservative? Who the fuck eats crepes? On Wednesday, when she spotted a fam- familiar woman eating a crepe, Marilyn Cynic. Right there, sitting there was the face of an organization that has been the source of a great deal of personal stress, Weiss told NBC News. Weiss said she called Sick's name and said to her, I thought I recognized you. You should get the fuck out and never come back. Weiss couldn't recall her exact phrasing, but noted that her words were vulgar. In a statement to NBC News, Cynic said Weiss called her bigoted trash and that she was not fucking wanted at the coffee shop. Sink added that Weiss said if she came back, she would be refused service. Weiss said she understood that the interaction was unprofessional, and while she expected to be reprimanded by cultivate management, she's not expected to be fired, because now she's shamed for her view and having a tranny fired. See how the NBC pressured her right there. I didn't want her to get fired. Narrator. She should have expected to be fired, but it's consequences like these she might not have foreseen. Weiss, whose passion is theater, said she felt forced to quit a local production of Macbeth because she was worried about putting the cast and crew's life in danger based on the 18 people that have died in 2019 and only one of them was a hate crime. We covered that last podcast. Stephen Miller, 
National news outlet. If you're rude to a customer, you're going to get fucking fired. And it's also not national news. This is not national news. And the firing was completely warranted. Exactly. Boo fucking who. These are all responses to him. She felt empowered to be rude and vile to a customer based on her feelings. She's not paid to express her feelings. She's paid to dispense fucking coffee. Period. She's not paid to discriminate against customers. Had the customer been gay and the barista conservative, they would have burned the place to the ground. That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> Employee refused service to a customer because of a political difference and got fired? Why is this news? Jesus Christ. Then, I don't know this, I didn't read the article, so I don't know what it's about, but the title was awesome, so I threw it in there. They're turning the freaking penguins gay. It is completely natural for penguins to develop genderless identities. Oh, here we go. A London aquarium has announced that two lesbian penguins will resist traditional sexual stereotypes while raising their adopted chick. How the fuck do penguins scissor? That was crude. I'm sorry, I just had to say it because it's funny. They have like little feet. What do they rub their fucking gooches against each other? I mean, get the fuck out of here. Four-month-old baby Gatillo will be the world's first penguin to not have its gender assigned. Sea Life London exulted. General Manager Graham McGrath removed the Gen 2 from his, her, zur biological parent placed him with sapphic birds. <laughs> Explain. While the decision may ruffle a few feathers, gender neutrality in humans has only recently become a widespread topic of conversation. However, it's completely natural for penguins to develop genderless identities as they grow into mature adults. Oh, really? So, penguins are fucking chopping their dicks off, too? Where is the penguin fucking sex reassignment surgeries? Anybody out there? Is this mic on? Anybody? And what the fuck? McGrath did not elaborate on how he had asserted the natural self-perception of unconscious marine birds. The Sea Life London announcement recalls a similar episode 15 years ago when the New York Times fetted two alleged homosexual penguins at the Central Park Zoo. Roy and Silo, two chin-strap penguins at the Central Park Zoo in Manhattan, are completely devoted to each other, wrote the gray lady. For nearly six years now, they've been inseparable. They have sex, Silo and Roy. Two anthropomorphized, a bit gay penguins. When offering female companionship, they adamantly refuse it. The coupling inspired such enthusiasm that zookeepers eventually took an egg from another pair of penguins and gave it to Riot Roy and Silo, who raised the chick. Tango as their own, which is what they do in the wild. The men raise the chicks. If you haven't watched a penguin show, you would think, oh, this is so absurd. Or so proof. That homosexuality is just natural. No, it's not. But nature went out in the end, and the pair disappeared from the headline the following year when Silo shacked up with a lady penguin named Scrappy. The Times later admitted no one ever actually saw Silo and, and Roy have sex. Alex Jones' famous lamentation, the turn of the frickin' frogs gay, became a viral internet meme drawing mockery for its inaccuracy. Ironically, Jones' diagnostic error was his mo- in, in modesty. 
In 2010, an EPA-appointed ecologist from Yale discovered that atrazine and synthetic estrogen in Connecticut ponds had produced frogs with both sperm and eggs in their reproductive systems. In fact, they were turning their frickin' frogs transgender, but then even chemically-induced deformities do not really constitute transgenderism in frogs, because frogs lack the complex reasoning required to contrive an irrational idea such as transgenderism. We can't read the mind of frogs, but that's the point. Frogs can't communicate their thoughts to us because they don't have any thoughts. Frogs, like all animals, lack higher intellectual and free will. The frogs suffer no internal turmoil of their gender identity because they have no sense of identity in the first place. Central Park Zookeeper declared Roy and Silo a little light in the flippers back in 98, the same year Will and Grace premiered on network television and marked for the main, the first time mainstreaming a homosexuality in popular culture. Jesus freaking Christ. You fucking moon bats. You will take anything and try to make it gay. Anything! Then we have this nugget changing subjects. Black Lives Matter supporter DeRay McKesson blasts Sean King. The person who points your house before he steals your car still committed theft. On Thursday, civil rights activist DeCret McKesson piece of shit, accused Black Lives supporter Sean King of lack of integrity, saying that King is like the power dynamic of the system. McKesson opposes, which willfully, willingly sacrifices the vulnerable to protect itself or replace truth with convenient lies. Writing in Medium, McKesson delineates how he feels King has not been completely honest. He begins by writing, a movement is only as strong as his integrity. Part of our collective work is to protect this integrity, even when, or especially when, doing so is uncomfortable or hard. It is in this spirit that I write to address a lapse in integrity within the activism community, so glaring that to be silent would be complicit. McKesson notes that King has deleted all his tweets and told people that he would no longer be involved in organizing or fundraising. But that claim did not come true. McKesson writes sardonically, It is important to note that Sean's journalism has done some good by bringing attention to stories that may have gone underreported or overlooked. But the person who paints your house before he steals your car has still committed theft, he opines. The king deflects from the issue raised against him and often bullies and intimidates those who ask questions at all, turning his ire especially a black woman to him to scare inquirers into silence, McKesson writes. The love for our people must be greater than the love of any one person. Sean has continued to thrive because many people cannot believe that they have been duped, used, or taken advantage of. His choices are so sweeping and brazen or manipulation they comprise other, compromise a collective work, and compromise a shared sense of integrity. Kesson delineates some of the issues he had with King, including fundraising, where he writes that King led Justice Together, of which McKesson was a broad member. McKesson recalls volunteers and members complained about being silenced within the organization's slack groups or moved wholesale when they disagreed or challenged him. McKesson writes, when people disagreed, they were removed from the group or it was stated that they were white supremacists or trolls. Holy shit, is what you guys do all the time to everybody else. That's why I'm doing this blue-on-blue crime. McKesson notes that King claimed Justice Together raised $10,000 a donation from a board member and seventeen five grant, but he later said he returned 100% of the donation raised, but the $10,000 donation and the seventeen fifty seventeen five hundred grant stopped appearing in records. McKesson adds, to date, it is not clear that Sean filed the appropriate taxes to Justice Together, as there is no 990 form available for public review for the IRS website. McKesson claims King took credit for other people's work. He notes King says he raised 
34.5 million since 2014. The McKesson adds, he takes credit for 100% all funds raised by any fundraiser who link he has ever posted online and email blasts or retweeted. He knew that this logic was misleading at best. McKesson delineates other actions by King that he feels demonstrates a lack of integrity, including matters involving Real Justice PAC, the North Star, Flip the Senate, and Red Record, among other things. So basically, you're late to the party. Sean King is a piece of fucking shit. New racist-ass SNL member endures Twitter backlash before appearing on a single sketch for a group of entertainment producers killed to come off a condescendingly woke, SNL showrunners look super inept for hiring an apparent racist as one of their new cast members. One of the sketch comedy's new talent has been labeled a racist by CNN journalists for making fun of Chinese people in 2018. SNL is in an even deeper pickle because another cast member is Chinese. Yeah. Not going to read the whole thing. I read his statements that weren't racist. It was jokes. Jay-Z takes heat for claiming fatherless communities treat police poorly. Holy fucking shit! When did he get religion? Billionaire rapper and husband of Jay's, uh, Beyonce, Jay-Z, has drove up social media, uh, social justice angst for recently surfaced video of him claiming that communities with missing fathers are more prone to violence towards police. Well, no, duh. However, in progressive circles, this is one of the most offensive things he could have said. What self-respecting progressive could ever admit that cops might be occasionally mistreated or that fathers could possibly be important? 49-year-old rapper and producer attended a race relation panel in January and actually discussed problems between police and African Americans in a somewhat constructive manner. Normally, one would expect a media figure to add more fuel to the police brutality fire, but in just released video of the panel, Jay-Z wonders if the absence of fathers in black communities contributes to any of the hatred for police we always end up seeing in the news. In one of the clips, Jay-Z discussed the role that single-parent homes can have in shaping children's view of authority. He claimed that fatherless homes cause boys to rebel against the police and can cause people to lose lives when these boys are dealing with cops. The music mogul who grew up in a single-parent household himself admitted to having his own adverse feeling for authority. He stated, your father's gone, so you're like, I ain't my dad, don't anybody tell me what to do, I'm the man of the house. Jay-Z explained how this attitude changes interactions with officers. You hit the street, and you run into police officer, and the first thing is, put your hands up, freeze, shut up. you like, fuck you, he added. That interaction causes people to lose lives. Rapper also said that broken home affect everyone, like hard-working pack t- taxpayers and police officer families. Though these comments are given in a January 23rd panel at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice, the recent video release of those unorthodox statements set off plenty of social media complaints. Twitter users accused Jay-Z's statements of being all false. Some equated the statement to those used by the racist white movie villains in Jordan Peele's Get Out. Others accused him of being a sellout, and a few were even annoyed that he was being queer antagonistic. By mentioning the importance of traditional family roles. Intersectionality's a bitch, man. You just get hit from all sides. Again, for many on the left, the only narrative is that any tragic or tense interaction are cops' fault. Still, Jay-Z hasn't been a stranger to criticism. He's still getting dick slapped over the NFL. Did I not just say this shit? Anybody with an IQ above a potato understands. We have a problem in the African-American community with fathers not being there. 
I'm not saying all. I'm not saying normal people. I'm talking inner city, urban setting. Mom can't get it done. She's not incapable. She's stressed the fuck out. She works multiple jobs trying to make shit happen. Anybody who's lived in that, whether you're white, black, or pink, can understand it's a problem. But it's exasperating the black community because you already start them off on all cops are fucking racist, even the black ones. Then we feed them hand up, don't shoot lies. The media never follows up on these shootings that turn out to be the fucking suspect's fault. As they say, watch Live PD. You see a lot of broken fucking young African American men, young men, who automatically, out of their mouth, they're holding a bag of weed. You're a racist. And it's just not men, it's the women. It's their whole culture because of Obama. It used to be less mainline. He made it mainline. The press ran with it. He did. All cops are racist. Eight-year drumming. And then when cops got killed by people in Dallas, cops still bad. South Park co-creator Matt Stone explains why critics trashed Dave Chappelle's to keep their job. I don't want to say it's the same as it always been. The kids are fucking different from us. The generational things go on. South Park has been a hit by cancer hit by cancel culture on many occasions with various parenting advocacy groups we're going to have the show pulled when it comes to Dave Chappelle, Stone didn't believe the comedian will be cancelled anytime soon but he did lament how critics trashed his show I know some people have been cancelled for generally like personal behavior but Dave's not getting cancelled anytime soon I feel bad for television critics and cultural critics they may have laughed like hell at that and they then they went home and they knew what they had to write to keep their jobs So when I read TV reviews or cultural reviews, I think of someone in prison writing. I think about somebody writing a hostage note. This is not what they think. This is what they have to do to keep their jobs in a social media world. Isn't that the truth? Now, I don't like those dicks, but he's spot on. He's spot on. That's why when you go to fucking Rotten Tomatoes, people love shit. The critics don't because the critics can't. It's not PC. What's wrong with being a boy? This is out of order. I know. I suck. Australian host, epic anti-PC rant. Occasional dispatches from down under in the last few years have shown Australia doing their bit to facilitate the Western civilization cultural suicide. From lionizing naked gay goat farmers to seeking the infant care advice of sexuality experts... Aussies have been watching their society go down the drain just like the rest of us. But lo, a voice crying out in the woke wilderness, or Outback. Ben Fordham is a co-host of today's show on an Australian morning TV program. Trust me, you had never heard this on the other Today Show. On September 12th, reported on a UK animated kids show character called Fireman Sam. The popular children's TV mascot is being banned in the UK for being too male. And apparently discouraging women from joining the fire brigade. Fireman Sad had for 30 years been used by England Lincolnshire Fire and Rescue Service. The fire chiefs of the country decided to nick Sam after complaints. The character is not inclusive. It's a fucking cartoon. 
He will be replaced by in-house creation, the fire extinguisher shaped Freddy, Filbert, and Penelope, according to the Sun. Another story of PC stupidity. Not nothing to do but shrug. Not Fordham, though. He grew up with Fireman Sam. He doesn't take kindly to whiny feminists and spireless fire sheeps messing with his hero. You probably think that we're making this stuff up because it's almost like every second there's a story like this, but it's true. God, I love this guy already. Seriously, I'm done, Fordham said, and launched a nearly three-minute rant about PC idiocy, saying, when are we going to reach a point of saying enough, enough? When is it going to stick up for the fireman Sam out there? The boys out there actually just want to be boys. And what's wrong with being a boy? It's reached the point now where every two days there's another situation where people are saying, no, we need to airbrush and erase any hint of masculinity. I think he said erase. It sounded like erase to this, the ink. This is a heady stuff of 2019. Fordham even went on to complain that we're going to kill off 007. He's going to become a woman. It's tempting to assume Fordham will be out of a job soon, but the way the segment was packaged and the reaction of his female co-host made it clear that the outburst was planned not scripted, to provoke a debate. Regardless, it's still jarring or refreshing to hear our TV personality celebrate the courage of blokes. Yes, he said blokes. Like Fireman Sam. Men love women, Foreman, Fordham exclaimed. But we just want to have men remain on this planet, so can we not eliminate them one by one every single day of the week? Can't we? God damn, he's fucking spot on. He's fucking spot on. It started with the colors. Blue and pink and target. Now it's to the point where boys, oh, you can't be a boy. She told the cops she was raped. Text messages show otherwise. Now she's been arrested. Boom. University, it's out of order, I know. These came late. I just threw them on the back end. Uh, Kansas University told police that she'd been raped the day before. She didn't remember all the details because she said she was drunk. She told the officers she didn't want to press charges, but gave them access to her phone because she entered the Lawrence Memorial Hospital for a rape exam. After looking through her phone, police suspected she was not being truthful. They investigated. They determined she had lied and arrested her for falsely reporting a felony crime. The Kansas City Star did everything it could to report the story in a way favorable to the female accuser, including placing the misleading claim that only 2 to 8% of rape accusations are false immediately under the paragraph explained that women was arrested. The study has been widely used to insist that women don't lie about rape, even though the study percentage referred to accusations that were proven false. It is nearly impossible to prove a negative, so of course this number is low. An equally small percentage of rape reports result in guilty finding before a jersey. So using the same misleading method, one could say an equally small amount of rape reports are true. In reality, we don't know how many reports are false because cases can be categorized as false or as having too little evidence to make an arrest, which doesn't mean it's false or true. As with the KU student, her text messages show that she fabricated the rape story to affect the relationship between her and the victim and her ex-boyfriend. According to Douglas County District Attorney Charles Branson, the state believes the evidence presented at the preliminary hearing, including the testimony of the victim or ex-boyfriend, law enforcement, and evidence collected by law enforcement specifically, text messages from the defendant to her friend indicate the sexual encounter was consensual. The woman claimed she'd been drinking and didn't know how she ended up in bed with her ex-boyfriend's best friend. She claimed the star that she joked about the incident with a friend in text messages because, as the outlet claimed, she was unable at the time to admit she had been raped. She only claimed the incident was raped the next day after an acquaintance threatened to tell people about the incidents. 
I'm pretty sure it was borderline rape, and I have bruises and statements to prove it. So if you want to go there, let's do it, according to court documents. That's what she said. The woman then began to remember the incident, claiming she had tried to leave, but her ex-boyfriend's friend wouldn't let her. She hamana hamana hamana, but it was all bullshit. Bullshit. The star reported. Oh, I'm sorry. The woman attorney paid for by the legal defense fund created during Me Too movement naturally said the female student was telling the truth and chastised police for failing to adhere to trauma-informed practices which insist women never lie and that any evidence of such is simply evidence of trauma. Yeah. Okay. Chelsea Handler. My new documentary premieres on Netflix in two days. It's called Hello Privilege. It'll be a white person telling you, you fucking suck. Yeah, let's get on that. Didn't our last one fail? Graham and Bozell, God takes a beating on television. I'm not going to go through all these. They're just in the month of August and September. They have like 30 examples of religion getting trashed. Just fucking trashed. To our crazy crime. Vice had to fire two senior employees for ordering way too much weed in the biggest blunt stunt. And that pretty much sums up Vice News. Captain America caught trying to burglarize Mississippi property. Cops report. I, if I this is what I wish I was a YouTube channel. The picture of this knucklehead in, a, in the suit with padding. Uh, it's just, oh God, it's so funny. Surge in chemsex parties arranged on hookup apps is fueling fresh HIV epidemics in European cities. A surge in chemsex parties where some people spend days getting high on drugs and having sex with scores of partner is refueling an epidemic of HIV among gay men in Europe. You see how the title didn't say gay, it said AIDS. This is how they report it. Because they want everybody to be scared. But let's be honest. Drug use or gay are pretty much how you get AIDS. And it's always been the way you get AIDS. Ticking time bomb. Obesity map of the United States reveals the states where you're up to 40% of America is overweight. Map shows in nine states. Alabama, Arkansas, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and West Virginia... Adult obesity is uh, at or above 35%. But in West Virginia and Mississippi, that figure hits 39.5. Only three states had obesity levels under 25. And none had less than 20. Colorado, Hawaii, and the District of Columbia. It's kind of surprised Tennessee wasn't on this, but... Anyway, when the figures are broken down by education, those who did not finish high school at the highest level of obesity, 35%, compared with 24 for college graduates. Adults aged 18 to 24 had the lowest self-reported obesity, 18.1%, half the figure of those aged 45 to 54. Broken down by regions of the U.S., 33.6% of adults in the South were obese, 33.1% in the Midwest, in the Northeast, it was 28. In the West, it was 26.9. That's only because you're mixing on all the vegans. In Ecuador, a nighttime crypt visit for morbidity, morbidity curious. They take you through scary eight, you know, early 16th, 17th century fucking crypts and fuck that. 
And then I was going to play a soundbite of this, but it's kind of stupid. You're just hearing engines and sirens. But Bank robber killed in wild Texas police chase that tops 130 miles per hour. Dash cam video shows. This dude was in a charger, and when he went off the highway, caught air, and disintegrated on the tree, he was doing 130 miles an hour. That's fucking insane. To our lighter fare, we're going to start with a soundbite of Unplanned and a quick article on it. And then we got some funny shit today. Enjoy. I know this is hard, but I need to ask you some questions about what happened. He tied my hands. He said if I screamed, he'd kill me. No signs of forced entry. Doors and windows were locked. No DNA. Not a single neighbor saw or heard a thing. He brought a blindfold, but nothing to tie her with. Would a shoelace even hold her? You think Marie made up the attack? I'm pretty positive that it happened. Pretty positive or positive? They just kept asking me the same question. How come your story doesn't add up? I wanted to go home. I don't have a victim here. It's bogus. She made it up. violent attack. Police say a masked assailant broke in while the victim was sleeping. He said you need to be more protective of yourself. Black mask, bindings, early morning attacks. I think he's done this before. Aurora. 18 months ago. Intruder, black mask, backpack, tied her out, took photos. To date, has not been caught. You see the pattern. There's a wraith, new evidence, new leads, and then one by one, they dry up until he hits again. This one, we're figuring out on our own. What if he knows the stations don't talk to each other? As long as he only hits once in each town. You could have detectives from eight different departments investigating eight identical rapes with no clue. They're all chasing the same guy. Victims are all over the map old, young, different races, so he doesn't have a type. Sure he does, women who live alone. This guy is out there, preying on the most vulnerable women he can find. Where is the outrage? This is not something people get over. This is something they carry with them forever. Even with people that you can trust, if the truth is inconvenient, they don't believe it. Okay, I fucked that all up. It's unbelievable. I don't know why I said unplanned, but... um. Basically, this was done by um, the Marshall Project, and they did a full uh, investigation. It was Linwood, Washington. Um, they also, let me try to find, I want to read this story, but hold on a second. Unbelievable. I got the wrong thing. So we're going to go on air and listen to me fucking 
talk while I'm pulling things up. It was Vulture. Vulture. Okay. So the original um, thing. Let me see. Come on. Open the fuck up. Open the fuck up. Unbelievable is one crime drama is remembering yet it is contained a central mystery and yes a key question coursing beneath the Netflix but more than anything unbelievable overseen by showrunner Susan Grant and based on a Pulitzer Prize winning investigation reporting by ProPublica and the Marshall Project as well as an episode of This American Life um, is a true story so listen spoiler alert it's hard to talk about it without explaining it. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta explain it to get into it. The reality is, a girl who's very young, who went through a horrible life of foster care, was treated like shit, was raped by a serial rapist. Fast forward to Colorado. This is supposed to be in Washington State. Two cops get together and they finally have a serial rapist. This guy's really smart. Um, I'm not too far. I'm like episode four, so I don't know how it goes out. So I won't ruin the whole series. But um, it's all true. And in that environment, they had people that were more SVU, right? They had people that worked with this. So their questioning, et cetera, their approach, <clears throat> got more information. And they, they find out this guy's been doing it everywhere. And it's the same person that raped this original girl that they say is Marie, and that's her middle name. But during her process, her story's inconsistent, the cops that approach her, and then her foster parents pretty much say that she's looking for attention. They begin to doubt her, and they end up charging her with false report. But it's true. It happened. The things that struck me from the show and the reason why I'm covering it, A, the young lady, and I don't know her fucking name. I should know her damn name. Why don't I know her name? Um, she's really good. Let me get her. Man, I'm fucking this whole segment up. Um, she's on um, Last Man Standing, and her name is, mm, 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 we're not going to say, Caitlin Deaver. Really becoming a great... Um, a great actress. I mean, I did watch Booksmarts. I thought it was stupid. I didn't finish it. I was hoping it would be a, a female version of Superbad, right? I mean, I was really stoked on it, but it was just, I don't know. Maybe it's chauvinist. Maybe I'm a sexist, but my wife agreed with me. Something about two dudes talking dirty and saying shit and going out a party and getting laid with comedic and two girls talking about um, tribbing because they're lesbians. I just didn't get into it. Um, it wasn't as funny. I don't know, but she's in that movie too. But her acting in this is just amazing. And it makes you really think what it would be like for yourself if you're a woman, your mother, your sister, your wife, getting raped and nobody believing it. What I found myself saying is, I don't understand when a person's raped, why it's not like a hospital. Women have a woman there to feel comfortable. Um, 
I don't know why that wouldn't happen. I, I just don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. It should be a woman. It was men. Secondly, if you were raped, I'm a guy, so I don't know what that would be like, but I can assume it's probably the most violating thing that could ever happen to you. Mentally, spiritually, and physically. And to have to repeat your story numerous times. I understand they have to do that to get the story and get the details. But the way they did it in the first case, and all this was, this was surprisingly for Netflix, not a PC nightmare. It was just factual, and it turns into a crime show. It was horrible. She gets done saying it, would you relive that? It'd be no different than if you went to combat and you had to talk about a horrible thing where you almost died. For me, it wasn't horrible and I almost didn't die. It was just shit was falling over the place and I could have been, could have died, but, you know, I'm not going to say it was that crazy. Being mortared. I didn't want to talk about being mortared after being mortared. And that's not rape. That's just a brush with death. I can't imagine of getting done speaking out my emotions on what just happened to me about being mortared. And once again, for you PC nutjobs that listen to me, if there's any out there, I'm not equating the two. I'm just trying to give an analogy. I couldn't see having to then re-say it instantly. And that's how it happened in her case. Beat cop interviewed her, then the fucking investigator interviewed her, and then, boom, she goes to the hospital and got to be interviewed. And the exam they do where they're poking and prodding, taking blood, doing... um Smear, pap smears and anal smears and taint smears. I mean, it was fucking surprisingly offensive to me. And I'm a alpha. Well, I'm not really alpha anymore, but I'm a guy guy, right? I'm not going to go out there and wear a pussy hat or do a protest. And no, I don't believe you should believe all women in the case of me too. But in the case of rape, sweet and Jemima, the way this person's treated, not believed, she's young, she respects nobody, she's had a horrible life, she ends up just saying she she lied when she didn't. And it takes, I'm assuming, because I haven't got to the end, takes these other cops finding it's a fucking serial rapist to get her justice. And during the course of that, she gets charged for false reporting when she really didn't, but she was talked into doing it just to get the fuck out of there. And everybody in her circle rejected her. And as a conservative person who sits and watches, you know, conservative-leaning person on social media, how the left treats people they hate because they don't believe like them, that's how this girl was treated right after she was raped. Not only by her friends, not social media, not by just phones... The only people she had that were adult figures in her life or foster parents rejected her too. They're the ones that started the inquisition if she was lying. And then the people forced her to go back because you need to tell the truth. You need to protect the community. You need to protect. It's all about us. And they go in that room and say, okay, you're going to take a lie detector test. And if you fail it, you're going to jail. And she just wants to leave. This is days after being raped. So... I say watch. You should watch this. This is a good show. 
it's definitely thought provoking. And it really made me think at the end, I don't think men should be involved with women instantly after they've been raped. I can only say of one experience in my entire life, a girl I dated in high school before my wife, she sexually assaulted me. (laughs) That's the way it felt at the time. And dry humped me on a kitchen floor when I was like 16. I don't know what the hell she's doing, but she got off. And then didn't touch me or let me do anything else because she didn't want to have sex. It was the most bizarre thing ever. I never had a... She was much older than me. But she just basically threw me on the ground and started dry humping me. Literally. To orgasm on her kitchen floor. So I run into her six, seven months later when I I come home from my first vacation in the Army. And I go to kiss her because we were going to go to church together. I just did air quotes. And go to breakfast. And she had been raped multiple times. Just recently. When I kissed her, it was like I literally did something vile. Her recoil, instant to shaking and crying, was horrible. At the end, she says, fine, you didn't do anything, it's just me. This lady was ruined. Because she was raped by a friend, whose friend then raped her because she was drunk as shit, and she was young at a party. And then when she got picked up to take home, the guy tried to make a move on her too. And, she, you know, she didn't say she was raped because she was embarrassed. So I think it's really important that that should be a thing that happens. I, I never thought this way before, but I just really do. Watching this poor girl go through what, and it's a true story, which makes it hit home, having to explain these things to a man would be very, very difficult if you've just been attacked by a person. Um so, definitely worth the watch. Then, they come up with Woke Cinema. Yeah, no shit. Are you ready for Woke Christmas Slasher Film? <clears throat> they talk about Booksmark, Longshot, something else. They all tanked. Um, the list expanded to Stuber, Dark Phoenix, Blinded by the Light. Either way, you get woke, you go broke. Could a Yuletide slasher film reverse the trend? Black Christmas hit in the theater December 13 comes from a politically charged Blumhouse production. Think Get Out, Black Klansman, The Purge franchise, and recently axed The Hunt. These guys that were going to go kill deplorables. The upcoming film, a reimagined the 1974 film from director Bob Clark, stars Imogen Potes, a college student fending off a killer trying to wipe out her gal pals. Textbook slasher fair on the surface. The trailer suggests something else afoot in the story. The production tees expand on the film's woke framing. Just in time for the holidays comes a set timely tale on a cult horror classic as a campus killer comes to face a formidable group of friends in the sisterhood. Hawthorne College is quieting down from holiday, but as Riley Stone and her Moo Kappa Epsilon sisters, athlete Marty, Rebel Chris, the CW's Charmed, and food, Foodie Jesse prepare to deck the halls of a series of seasonal parties. A blast mass stalker begins killing sorority women one by one. As the body count rises, Riley and her squad start to question whether they can trust any man, including Marty's beta male friend, Nate. A true New Zealand love story, Riley's new crush, Landon, or even esteemed classic instructor, Professor Gleason. Whoever the killer is, he's about to discover that this generation's young women aren't about to be anybody's victim. Slay girls indeed. And, uh, yeah, I'll play it just for shits and grin. Here's, here's, a, here's the fucking trailer. 
It's my privilege to teach you this semester. Enjoy your winter breaks and Merry Christmas. Sup, ladies? Excited for tonight? It is our last day of our last fall semester of college ever. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, Can you take a photo of all of us? Of course. Where's Helena? She was tying back a sodas earlier, but she looked really good. Cheese. We shouldn't have let her go back by herself. She's fine. Come on, live a little. Helena hasn't gotten home yet. If I were missing, I'd want you to unleash the bloodhounds and track me down. She was at DKO last night. Still creating problems, huh, right? Hello? Hello? I'm worried that something bad happened. It's winter break. Could just be a delay of some sort. Snow. My friend is missing. Nine times out of ten, the girl's just with a boyfriend. I will bring you to your knees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
high school girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls. Yeah, what I've done is I've tapped this phone so that when it rings, it'll ring at the station house, too. There was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight. Yes, I heard. Your phone's ringing. Terminal 55. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, star bright, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs, candlelight glistening off of shimmering Christmas trees, chestnuts roasting over open fires, carolers beneath snow-covered window ledges. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Dulay, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. I want to say I saw the original on this one, and it wasn't PC, um, and it was just fucking horrible. I, I'm not into horror Christmas. My wife is. I just think it's wrong. To other lighter fares, i got to cover this. It's so fucking hilarious. Miami-based porn company Bang Bros is a fixture in South Florida community, or as much as such a company can be described as such. They built their sex empire in a series of video shots inside a moving passenger van, and now they want to become more of a mainstream business. The local team, the Miami Heat, has just announced a business proposal, and the skin merchants has expressed interest. Tweet, Bang Bro Official, we've officially submitted our $10 million bid for the naming rights to the Miami Heat Arena. We wish to thank American Airlines for their past support of the Miami Heat. We intend to change the name to Bang Bros, Bang Bros Center, a.k.a. the BBC. Now, I knew this because I looked it up before, but that's for Big Black Cock. Yeah. 
Coach MVP, and we'll call it BBC. Can't, can't wait to be courtside. Other tweets. We need to see the Bang Bro logo on the roof at TNT and ABC pan out to give us the scenic view. This is why Miami is Miami. Can't wait for the new cheerleaders, though. Stepbrothers and stepsisters everywhere. Love this. You love this. You're not going to win the bid just because you spelled D- D- Dwayne Wade's name wrong. The BBC... Are the concession stands going to serve eggplant parmesan and chocolate dip banana splits? <laughs> Somehow this just fucking cracked me the fuck. That's how fucked up we become as a country. A freaking porn company will bid on it. And God knows if they don't get it. And really think about porn. This company, which I never even heard of, literally has $10 million to bid for a naming right on a stadium. Now, I'm not against porn. I'm not a, I'm not a fucking prude up in here, but maybe we got problems as a nation, if that's a fucking fact. I mean, I know it's a trillion-dollar business, but damn, dude, that's crazy. Next little tidbit. How many Netflix subscribers just canceled? They're saying it's just a huge amount because they canceled the show OA. That's what this story did. But it's not that. It's the Disney pull. Which brings me to I canceled DirecTV. Now, I'm not going to go long on this one. I'll go really short because we're a long podcast because news social media nuggets was really lengthy today. Um, all I'll say is if you're a cable subscriber, and if you've never tried satellite, it's not as bad as people say. Yeah, some rainstorms you're fucked because all the satellites are at the southeast or southwest or southwest or south, excuse me. Um, so, you know, storms go over, you're fucked occasionally. But DirecTV, I've had it forever when it's Prime Star. Talked about it last podcast. I mean, we're talking almost 20 years of DirecTV. And all their bullshit, not going to go reiterate it. I said, fuck it. So I got it installed on a Sunday. No shit. And I got to admit, right off the bat, it's a weird setup. You have a huge receiver. I got a Hopper 3, which can record 16 fucking things at once. The interface is so much easier than DirecTV. You can link your Netflix and YouTube in there. I mean, it's pretty fucking hot shit, I got to say it. But the part I didn't know is I paid an extra 20 bucks. Because I got free installation. And I got a wireless Joey. Well, the Joey is their other room. So anybody who doesn't know about, you know, satellite TV, you don't get a cable box everywhere. You get a client that works off the main thing and it pulls up everything off the DVR and whatever. And the direct TV one, it was about the size, you know, of a fucking sandwich. You know, that's what it was. This thing's a little bigger, but it's wireless. So I can take it anywhere because the system's built with its own hot spot, you connect it to your internet, and then it broadcasts whatever the fuck you want to broadcast to the other TV, so instead of getting two more receivers and having them wired in, one for the basement in here, I got one wireless, and I'm going to take that motherfucker downstairs when I'm burning wood or doing a podcast, because I'm still thinking about taking this whole shit show and moving it downstairs, where the acoustics were way better in the, in the bunker. Um, for the winter, and I can just move that with the TV. I don't have to have cables. I don't have to have anything. Really enjoyed it. Easy setup. 
Uh, the only knock was that they had SD channels too, so when you set up your favorite list, it's a pain in the fucking ass deleting all the SDs, but I did. And right off the bat, every channel they offer except for HBO for the beginning, the first three months I get everything but HBO uh, for free, um, and then I'll shut the shit off because I don't watch any of that shit. 108 bucks with taxes. Now, it seems like a lot for you cord cutters, but I was paying almost 180 fucking dollars at one time with DirecTV. It was so fucking expensive, and we found ourselves on YouTube or Netflix or Hulu or fucking Amazon. I'm a big Amazon Prime guy. It just seems fucking stupid to spend that much more money when you're not watching half the crap. Secondly, I got Pac-12 Network for the first time in my life. I, I, I peed my pants a little bit. I got to watch the Montana game, and we beat Montana this weekend, so the Ducks didn't do as well as they did the week before. I got to watch the Packers play, not with Sunday NFL ticket. They're giving everybody Red Zone Channel for free, and then you're going to be able to just pay for the Red Zone Channel. So next football season, the Red Zone Channel, if you've never had that, it is so sexy. When I had uh, Sunday NFL ticket, I it wasn't this it wasn't like this. The channel was different. This is sexy, man. They split screen. I saw everything going on in the game, and I got to see the ending of the Packer game where we beat the Vikings barely because we scored 21 points in like the second by the second quarter, and then we didn't do shit for the rest of the game. But our defense pulled it out, um, and that was really really fantastic. If it's not local, which unfortunately in Nashville there's something about the Fox Channel, they're not showing two games. A week. They only show one. So this was the game of the week for the early, and every place on the planet probably had a Packer game, but I didn't have it because they didn't air a game. They aired nothing. It was Channel 5, which is a CBS, airing the Titans game, and there was shit on 17. And then it went to the other game of the week, the Rams-Lions game. Or, no, I'm sorry, Rams-Saints game that didn't turn out too good because Drew Brees hurt his hand. So um, if, you, if you're if you in the business, um, last but not least on it, this 108 is for two years. The only thing that will change is after six months, I'll pay $10 a month for protection plan, which if you've never been struck like by lightning, anybody who's been in the show a long time knows I have. Yeah, you get the protection plan because you want to go buy yourself a new receiver. And, of course, as I said, I'll lose the red si- Red Zone channel, I have to pay for it next year, and I'll lose all the pay-per-views in three months, but I don't really give a fuck. It'll still give me 290 channels locked in for two years. No changes. Taxes may go up here or there, because that's all the federal shit, but the package itself will be $89.99 for two years. And that's pretty fucking fantastic. So, let's go to this. This is America. A lot of bad shit we talked about. This is a quick one. And then we'll close this mother out. Why did I pick this? Because I saw this on Twitter. And I was like, the whole world, women fight against this shit. Nike in America? Yeah. We say, look at us. We're woke. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing. 
liberal agenda this stories. And this is America in 2019. You know, it goes back to my experience as an athlete. Growing up, I didn't have so many role models that looked like me. It's about Muslim females not having to give up their identity or feeling like they have to sacrifice some portion of their identity, but also still play whatever sport they want. Fucking hijabs, man, get the fuck out of here. While women in Iran risk their lives to fight against this tool of oppression, cowards in the West celebrate the hijab in the name of diversity and commercial opportunity. Gross. Celebrating misogyny in the name of diversity. Veiling was in, invented by men and imposed upon women to control, separate, and subjugate. The hijab, nijab, burqa, chador represent modesty culture, which requires women to cover up Marking those, marking those who don't. Classic example of believing left-wing hysteria rather than the women of Iran themselves. They won't let the facts and reality get in the way of their virtuous political correctness. Rita Panahi. Yeah. And she's right. Unbelievable. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast at gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the Facebook page at Fop Podcast and Twitter page at Fop Tony Reed. We're going to go with our next podcast. Uh, come on, mouse, work for me. We're going to go on 20, 2020, September, Year of Our Lord 2019. Until then, make sure you take care of yourself. Stay cool if you're still in the South because it's still hot as fuck. Remember to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And tune back in Friday for another show. As always, thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. <laughs>